Hey folks, welcome back to a special edition of the DC Three Cast. We are going to be discussing both Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice, as well as the DC Rebirth titles and their creative teams and synopsis. I think that's how you say the plural of synopsis. Do you guys know? Sure. <laughs> it sounds it sounds right. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm Brian. With me, as always, are my pals, Zach and Vince. And we're going to start by talking about Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Uh, Vince saw the movie a few days earlier than the rest of us because he got into a, a press screening because he's special like that. And then uh, Zach and I saw it on Thursday evening. Um we started talking about this before we started recording. Um, I think if we all had to give it like a quick thumbs up or thumbs down, I think it's fair to say all three of us would give it a thumbs down, correct? Way down. Um, oh! I don't know how down I would go. Okay. Not... We'll, we'll get into it. Okay. So I'm not ready to commit. <laughs> um Vince saw it early. Vince wrote a very thoughtful and spoiler-free review for Multiversity. So let's give the floor to him first. Vince, give us like your elevator pitch of why you didn't like the movie. My elevator pitch of why I didn't like the movie. Okay. Um, this is the way that I've been telling people uh, without spoiling anything, and it's pretty succinct. Okay. Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice is a a two-and-a-half-hour-long movie that feels like it's five hours long, that has an hour-and-a-half of plot in it, and it's the only superhero movie I've ever seen that doesn't have a hero in it. And that's that sums up everything to me. I mean, we can get into the details, and we can get into the whys and wherefores, but, like, that is the way I would generally describe how I felt watching that movie it just felt overlong and what was there what like at times it was such a waste of time it's like a it's paper thin for being two and a half hours long and ultimately it's just batman and superman acting like assholes for 99 percent of the movie okay zach what would you give as your like one or two sentence review of the movie um, it's a two and a half hour trailer for Justice League <laughs> slash slash a a subpar tribute to Dark Knight Returns, but I didn't hate it. <laughs> I didn't completely hate it. Okay. See, and I, I agree with everything Zach just said, except for the not hating it part. <laughs> All right. I would, I would say that it is the best Michael Bay Transformers movie, <laughs> but the worst superhero movie I've ever seen. Okay. Real quick, I want to get establish a baseline. Uh-huh. Do you guys think this is you? Do you think this is worse than Green Lantern? Yes, because yeah. I I think this is leaps and bounds better than Green Lantern ever would hope to be. Really, I think I think Green Lantern, and I haven't seen Fantastic Four, so I can't. Push I haven't it on seen that, that scale, either. Yeah, but I think this is nowhere near the disaster Green Lantern was. 
Oh, man. Green Lantern is the worst superhero movie I've ever seen. Not counting, like, Batman and Robin. Or, (laughs) like, not, like... Modern, of the modern era. Of the modern, yeah, I, I still think Green Lantern is the worst. You, my friend, have not seen Jonah Hex then. <laughs> well, okay, you're right, I haven't. Um, I haven't seen Jonah Hex. But no, I, I would say there's a difference between a Jonah Hex or a Green Lantern failing at a concept that had some sort of merit okay. to it versus this, like... To me, this is almost the equivalent of Zack Snyder... In the most like beautifully cinema, cinema. Okay, so imagine Zack Snyder filmed in the most beautiful way possible, with really compelling music and scenery, and in a beautiful costume, just doing the jerk off hand motion for two and a half hours. <laughs> like it to me, it's just it's so bereft of uncyn. Uh, it's so full of cynicism and so bereft of actual, uh, like forward motion. I don't know. We'll get into it, okay. but, but let's 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 do one thing first of all. I want to quibble slightly with something Vince said. I want to say that I think for all of the flaws of the movie, you can't say that Wonder Woman did not act in a heroic fashion in the film. Okay, okay, but when I, uh, I don't know about that yet because because I will. Are we getting into spoilers at all? Yeah, let's 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 throw that out there. This is um, oh, this is we're gonna have to. Yeah, I I, I feel like if you're waiting, this is gonna come out on uh, Wednesday morning. So if you're waiting till Wednesday, if it's been out for six days and you haven't seen it, then you're probably not in our key demographic anyway. <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna spoil some stuff. Okay, so Wonder Woman seems like less of an asshole or more of a hero next to Clark and Bruce because when she shows up in the fight there's a big cheer moment for her and that's when the fight kind of with some terrible music behind it turns oh, gosh, the tide that the worst that electric guitar yeah <laughs> that 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 was honestly probably one of the things that took me that took me out of the movie more than anything else in the entire movie, <laughs> and that's saying something. I honestly uh-huh. thought for a second that they were playing the fire started by Prodigy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh-huh. that's what I thought, but okay. Sure. So, sorry. Uh, go so, ahead, Vince. No, that's all right. She shows up, and, and she's she's super triumphant, and she has fun fighting. Like That's the big moment everyone's talking about. She gets knocked down, and she smirks. Mm-hmm. And admittedly, She gets that's... up again, and you're never going to... to be fair during that movie i needed a vodka drink and a cider drink and a whiskey (laughs) drink and a locker drink so this is the dcu away (laughs) no but but uh but but, um what was i saying oh and that's that is a legitimately good moment like i will admit what like wonder woman being the one out of the three of them to like really take to dark side or dark side (laughs) doomsday. Sorry. Slip of the tongue there. Doomsday. And like, enjoy the rigors of battle. You know, Mm -hmm. that that's a good moment. Like that is a legit, that moment put a smile on my face in a movie that I was dying to get out of at that point. And, um, and so she looks like less of an asshole by comparison. However, just like every other hero in this movie, 
she quit being a hero for years and years and years. And I think we, it remains to be seen what the real reason was for that. Right. Mm -hmm. But you know, she quit being a hero for the longest time. And then like Uh, when everyone, I have a comment on that, but go ahead, go ahead. Well, I've, I wouldn't necessarily hold that against her just because that's a comment that's that happens in comics all the time. And in like good comics, like think about something like kingdom come where Superman checked out for years and then came back and sure. Yeah. Superman was kind of a dick in that book too. Um, (laughs) but I don't think that necessarily makes her unheroic. I think it and the thing with these move with the Snyder movies is I get I think I get what he's doing. I think he's trying to give us these, you know, just extremely like realistically flawed characters, like but it just comes across as Callous. just not good people, you know? Yeah. And I do feel like out of all of them, Wonder Woman is, I don't think she's callous. If anything, you know, she probably has the, like, most right to be disillusioned with humanity because she's technically not even human, you know? Right, right. I'll also, I'll, I'll throw in here that I think it's unfair to judge a character in a movie for things that happen, not just off screen, but, like, decades before the movie came out. Sure. So, like, if we're just talking about Wonder Woman on the screen, from what we saw from Wonder Woman, I don't think you can really argue that she was even close to the level of, like, dick that Superman and Batman are. Like, she she gets into a fight that is not her fight because it's the right thing to do. And she keeps fighting, even though it's really difficult, seemingly because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm... Mm-hmm. I'm... I'm exaggerating the point to point out how much Superman and Batman just time and again are only concerned with themselves. Yes. In this movie. They totally and, act only within their own self-interest. Right. And and Wonder Woman is such an mm. afterthought in the plot. I mean, she's literally like tacked on to create this just like like really in the confines of the movie, she doesn't contribute a whole lot aside from that last battle, you know? Everything she does is in the machinations of creating this greater Justice League, you know. Mm-hmm. And well, it's just it's I want to that... talk about sure. You know, you go ahead and finish what you... I thought you were done. You go ahead and finish what you were saying. Well, I was just going to say, like, when you consider her, when you consider her contribution in the context of the entire movie, no, she's not a dick, but yet again, she's one of the. It's the same tone as everybody else. Yet again, she's one of these reluctant heroes. And and what, for whatever the reason is, we don't know yet. It could be completely legitimate. I admit that. This is probably not a very strong point. I'm just saying that this entire superhero universe that Snyder and Goyer have created is about heroes that we normally see as the most iconic ones in comics history. Like Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman are the shining examples of heroism and all three of them have to be conf- conflicted heroes in some way, you know. No, like we can't have one shining beacon of hope yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it hasn't happened yet, 
And I don't now after five hours of these movies, I don't trust that it's going to. But that's you know well that's, that that's the only that reason kind of why. goes on. Go ahead. Well, I just I want to talk about that that shining beacon of hope because that's that's what Superman should be, and I feel like of all the characters in this film, he got the shortest end of the stick because you know he he did do a lot of heroic things in the film. I mean, there were several instances of him, you know, saving people, doing things, doing heroic things. And then at the end of the film, he did have his big, you know, heroic self-sacrificial moment. But that was all undercut by the fact that a, most of the time, I feel like when we were dealing with him, it was like through proxy. It was through this kind of like general, you know, public conception of him that, was was being set up as you know as some as a dangerous being and then also just the the part of the film that I thought was the most egregious the only thing the only part of the film that I will like genuinely say that I hated is the fight the Batman Superman fight that could have been completely avoided if they talked if he hadn't just been a yeah if they had just talked and he <laughs> had just kept his cool and it was like in that moment that like Superman was the least Superman esque in that entire film um, yes. because Superman wouldn't he wouldn't he would keep us cool in that situation because it's just a guy in a suit of armor he wouldn't <laughs> like be like oh you're gonna attack me okay I'm gonna shove you yeah. you know like right that's just like schoolyard bully and that's you know. That was the part of the film that I had the most problem with. Can I give you a sort of was really it's depicted Superman? Uh, can I give you kind of like a, a yeah, corollary to that? Um, so I was thinking about as I often do, The Empire Strikes Back, and there's a. Uh, are we on a delay again? Can you guys hear me all right? Yeah, I think we're on a little bit of a yeah. delay, but okay, we'll power we'll power through. So, um, in The Empire Strikes Back, there's the scene where. After Lando betrays everybody, Chewie is choking him, and he's saying, "Han, Han," and he's trying to he's trying to tell them like you know, um, you know, we can still save him. And this is an instance of a character saying a name to another character that they will recognize and understand. When Superman's about to be speared with kryptonite, he says, "Save Martha." Now, there is no way he knows that Bruce's mother's name is Martha. He doesn't know that. No. And if if Vince was trying to kill me, I would in the same situation. I'd say, say I need to save my mother. And like everybody understands what a mother is. Everybody has a relationship with a mom. And like that makes so much more sense. The entire the entire Justice League is predicated on a coincidental name that both of them share for their mothers. Oh, that yeah. moment! That moment was so right. silly. Oh my god. Yeah, and I just felt like, again, both of them, like, if that's all it takes for Bruce to, like, not flip out, then, like, I hope he never, ever has a villain named Thomas. Because, like, he's going to hear, like, oh, Thomas, and then walk away. Like, it's just, it's so dumb. And I felt like, first of all, I felt like if Superman... You mean it, Thomas Wayne Jr.? Yeah, exactly. Ooh. But I, I feel like, I feel like if Superman had that kryptonite coming towards him, he would say something like, you're better than this, Bruce. 
Superman always is inspiring other people. And I feel like he would use that moment to inspire Bruce to not do what he was doing. But when there's such a fundamental fucking misunderstanding of what a character is, <laughs> you have to just have him say the name of his mother to get him to form the Justice League. Like, to me, the the, the depiction of Superman through most of the movie is so incredibly flawed. Superman seems like a protective high school boyfriend. <laughs> like, he's running to the cheerleader yeah. girlfriend's aid at all times. And it just seems to me like, yes, Superman loves Lois Lane, one of the best romances in all of comics history, but Superman would never put the world in danger for Lois. Like, look at Superman 1. Not a perfect film by any means, but, you know... In Superman 1, yes, he goes back, he puts time backwards to save Lois, but he doesn't do it at the expense of anybody else. He, he sets time backwards so he can save everybody. And, like, to me, this is just such a fundamental misunderstanding of Superman. So I agree with you, Zach. He gets the short what? shrift the whole time. Yeah. I And I'm just talking about the, the Lois and Clark dynamic. Um, Honestly, I think that's one of the things I'm the most worried about moving forward. I don't know if we want to get into this right now, but yeah, sure. the the nightmare scene. Oh. Oh. Um, the nightmare scene and the scene that followed it, the flash scene, which I will say was one of my favorite parts of the movie, the oh, flash scene. I hated that more than light, more than well, anything I could ever express okay. in human words. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute then. But I want to finish this lowest point. Um, it really seems like Snyder's trying to set up an Injustice-esque plotline for his future Justice League movies centered on something happening to Lois and it making Clark go crazy. And I really hope that's not where it's going. What do you What do you guys think? I 100% agree with you. And that would be such a shame because it'll be another movie. Not that I'm not that I'm invested in Justice League at all. After this, I don't even care to see another movie out of this same like. Check your D three. Check your DC three contract, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. But. If they just turn Superman into an enemy again somehow, and I could totally see them doing that because Zack Snyder gives not one shit about Superman as a hero, and he doesn't. I mean, you can't argue with me that he does. He just he doesn't believe in what Superman believes in. I don't. I think he thinks the idea of Superman is naive. Well, and, I don't think uh, he believes in what Batman believes in either, for that matter. But yeah, I would agree with that too. But um, but if they did that, that would be such a crime. Because it would mean that we had three movies with Superman in them where he doesn't act like Superman. And mm -hmm. I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that because I had that same thought just the other day. And Injustice is a really popular thing. So it's, it's, it's in yeah. the, the zeitgeist right now. Here's my take yeah. on, on the nightmare, okay? It's, it's so heavy-handed the screen almost fell down. Let's, let's, like, yeah. let's acknowledge that, okay? But... But I think if you were to take the... And this is one of the things I said to the boys in a group text. I feel like in many ways, Dawn of Justice answers the question that Man of Steel poses. 
I don't think it does so elegantly, but I think Man of Steel, at the end of the day, asks, can the world trust Superman? And Dawn of Justice says no. And I think that that's completely... Well, why do you, why do you think it says no? Because he proves time and time again in this film that he can't be trusted. Uh, but does he, though? Let me just finish my point for a second. I, right? Does he? Okay, okay. Um... And so, if that is the uh, if that is the world in which the film takes place, and if Bruce Wayne is as portrayed here, then a totalitarian Superman with an army behind him would seem like his worst nightmare. And I mm-hmm. think that if you boil Batman and Superman down, like beyond, we're not talking like making a reduction of a sauce here. We're talking about boiling it down to like just a scrap of what each person's about. Superman's about hope and Batman's about fear. And I think that that should play into how each of them deal with the things that are put in front of them. So for Bruce Wayne to be fearful of a totalitarian Superman, it's a simple reductive uh, description of their relationship, but it's one that I understand. I disagree with, but I understand it. Um, I think that... The uh, I don't think you're wrong about the injustice thing, but I, I cannot see after the critical reception this movie got, I cannot see that still being the plan going forward. Well, oh man, that's another tangent. But does that even does the critical reception matter at this point? I mean, Fantastic Four made a ton of money and they're abandoning it. Yeah, but like this is DC's this is WB's best opening ever. Like it's gonna make a billion. Yeah, I mean, like it's broke. It broke the opening weekend records for Avengers: Age of Ultron and like two other Marvel movies I saw today. But I do, so, agree, like, I do agree with you, Brian. Though they're gonna have somebody there that has, pulls some sort of quality control on. They are not just gonna hand it all over hope to so. Yeah. I I really do believe that. I I I don't think. I what does Jeff Johns think about all this? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, not not to um. Not to jump into our next discussion yet, but did you guys notice? Uh, so I, I wrote a piece yep. for Multiversity yesterday about the rebirth announcement, and Jim Lee and Dan DiDio came into the stage, and they're like, "I know there's lots of exciting stuff going on with our multimedia stuff, but we're here about comics today." And I feel like mm-hmm. that was like the sharpest pivot in the history of the world away from Dawn of Justice because they, they couldn't get further away from it than if they tried, except for when they had Henry Cavill <laughs> holding a comic upside down and telling you to read it. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. hope it's a good one, folks. Yeah, yeah. but 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 I feel like um, they're already that maybe not Warner Brothers, but I think DC is already realizing like, okay, this is not. This is not what we want to be marketing to our people. Mm-hmm. And that gives me a little bit of hope. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's uh, so let's talk about the Flash sequence. Okay. So, Can I get in on the nightmare part? Sure, of course. I'm sorry, Vince. So No, that's all right. So, um, first of all, that's my least favorite scene in the movie, easily. Um, it makes me sad because I... The, I hear critics and like movie buffs and like comic book guys or like insider Hollywood guys saying stuff about how uh, the reception at preview or at uh, you know pre-screenings 
for that scene was better than any other scene in the movie. And and it looks stunning in IMAX. Okay, that's fine. But it is the most wrong-headed like if if you wanted to get away from the tone that these movies already have, that just like double, triple, quadruples down on this tone of despair and having characters act in ways that they wouldn't. And I know it's like Batman's nightmare and that's why he's killing people, you know, mm-hmm. it, but, but I'm afraid watching that, that you see Batman go through these, you know, soldiers and whatnot, and he's gunning them down and he's snapping a guy's neck. It's, you know, in center screen and people are thinking that that's cool. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I'm sorry. Oh, I, have oh, to, gosh. I, I have to interrupt I, you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forgot the best part of me seeing the movie. I wanted to start the conversation this way. And this perfectly okay. ties into what you're saying, Vince. Sure. Sure. So, um, so we get to the movie, uh, lights go down. It starts with voiceover narration, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But I can't hear that because somebody goes, let's go Batman. And then somebody else goes, yes, queen. Uh, and that's literally how the movie began for me. So I missed the first 10 seconds because somebody wrote, yelled, let's go Batman. And then yes, queen. And then when Batman snapped that guy's neck, uh, same let's go Batman guy went, fuck yeah. Yeah. And like, yep. again, okay. like, yeah, are, you know, are you watching this? That, the mo- the Okay. So the big batman fight scene when he goes to rescue martha mm-hmm. which i a lot of my friends have told me that that was their favorite part of the movie mm-hmm. um people in my theater were laughing when he's just like throwing guys through walls and <laughs> like causing so much collateral damage like la- like because they think it's like awesome and i'm just yeah. like the big i think you know just talking this out with you guys and especially like getting to the heart of like the nightmare scene. I think Batman in this movie is everything that's wrong with the movie. Because yeah, I mean, you know, that Batman. Well, no, I think it's Batman because okay. it's all you, when you think about it, kind of everything in the movie is kind of through Batman's lens. And yes. it is one that's disp- like, it's a lens of despair and just, you know, kind of Seething. lost hope. And yeah. so, you know, the nightmare scene comes across that way because that is the nightmare of a of a just you know broken batman yeah you know the 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 mistrust between him and superman is there because that's there in you know obviously like super we've talked about like superman's basically like a you know a high school quarterback who's uh-huh. like a lot of self-confidence issues or something but like <laughs> Batman is Superman is, you know, is varsity like, blues. Yeah, he pretty much like that that is that like pegs it down, but like <laughs> I I really like I mean this is a Batman that like you know pretty okay with killing people. Doesn't seem that like He is opposed to, like, turns use, out. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't seem like that opposed to using guns if he has to, you know. Yeah. And I have uh, to say, while I don't disagree with you Zach, I feel like Poor Ben Affleck, because that guy did all he well, could. I know, right? I know. And like, I don't, you know. And his his acting wasn't bad. He did a fine job. His Bruce, I thought, was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, yeah, I think he kind of, you know, maybe I said earlier that Superman got the shortest shift, shift in the movie, but it was actually probably Ben Affleck. 
Well, I think it's telling that that you can't, you know, that you've got both of them. <laughs> you yeah. can say that about, you know. But to 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 piggyback off of something you said, Zach, you're absolutely right. It's all seen through Batman's eyes, and the problem is is that the audience and for most of the movie, they're behind Batman. Everyone mm-hmm. in the audience wants Batman to be right because Batman is their most popular character by far. And they never give you a reason, even though Superman is the one that ultimately saves the day, I guess. And he's the one that, like, that, like in that one moment, Batman is clearly in the wrong. Mm-hmm. They never make Superman into such a symbol of right that it's a compelling argument to 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 really think Batman was in the wrong the entire time, you know, mm-hmm. to think that he's an asshole and that Superman, you know, right. they play well, them, they play them both off as so petty and so self-absorbed with one another's shit mm-hmm. that, that there's no moment for the audience to go, Oh yeah, I guess Batman was totally wrong. You know, no, they're going to cheer him on all the way, whether it's snapping some guy's neck or, beating Superman with a toilet or whatever he does. (laughs) Well, and you know, the the flip, the Martha scene, you know, we've already talked about that, but at that moment, Batman kind of does a complete 180. Yeah. He's like, oh, we're best friends now. In the very next scene, he he says, I'm a friend of your son's. Yeah, I'm I'm a friend friend of your son. And, you know, at the end of the movie, it does seem like... You know, he obviously has this respect for Superman. He's wanting to put together the Justice League. My hope, and I know, Vince, you've said that you have, like, no desire to, like, see where this, to follow this Justice League. But, like, my hope is that this was the, like, for better or worse, the, like, Growing Pains movie. You know, show me that smile. There we go. There we go. (laughs) Um, But you know what I mean? Like just something that for whatever reason we had to get through. Yeah. But can Um, I, can I, can I pose this real quick? Yeah. Isn't that what man of steel was like? Isn't that that what everybody said when man of steel was over? Well, wait till the next movie. They'll, they'll explain why this was all actually good. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not, I don't mean to step on your point because I think it's perfectly valid. Yes, that that could be what they're doing, but are they going to keep doing that with every movie? Like, yeah. See, well, and that's the thing. Like, you know, we we don't know. That's me being hopeful. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I and I feel like I spent that hope already. You know, <laughs> can I? So before we get back to the the nightmare scene, uh-huh. I want to take that ball and run with it about the next movie because. Brian, you said something about Man of Steel poses a question about Superman, and then Dawn of Justice answers it. Right. And you say that the answer is that people can't trust Superman. In this, in this, not. I, I want to make it clear that I think people should be able to, but I yes. think if if the only information you're given is this film, yes, then you can't trust Superman. Yeah. I, okay, I get that. But here's the thing: Man of Steel poses this question. And sets up this mistake that Superman made in letting all these people die, you know, kinda. And the next movie, the producers promised, and the next movie promises that everyone's going to have learned from it, and it's going to play into the next movie. The next movie wants to tell, Dawn of Justice wants to tell you that it's learned all those lessons, and that... It tells you in a very overt way several times that everybody's evacuated. This oh, it's everybody's day off on this right. this part of town, and uh, 
And it's like a G.I. Joe cartoon where they've shot the plane and everybody escaped in parachutes and nobody died. Right. You know? <laughs> and and I expected them to be like it being Yom Kippur, everyone's at their families in the Jewish part of Gotham. Like, you know, yeah, know. like it was just well, so and, over the top. Well, and the whole like doomsday fight took place in a in a warehouse district that had to be like, you know, ten miles square where there's just nothing. Right. You know, right. Yeah, you know <laughs> nobody was nobody died. So here's the thing. Um, that's a very comic book thing. So if they want to say that the entire city was evacuated and nobody got hurt, that's great. But then think about all the other times in the movie where they break those rules or where they have Batman kill somebody or where both of these characters try to solve every problem with brawn and not an ounce of brain. Well, not, he- not They just charge headlong. It doesn't matter. Everything is solved with their fists. They don't talk. It and 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 that is why the the death toll in Man of Steel isn't the thing that matters. It's not the thing that bothers me. What bothers me is the lack of thought and the lack of care and the lack of repercussions for anything that happened. And when Dawn of Justice promises to make that right, they just double down on all the same shit again. Well, okay, I, I'm not refuting your point. I'm not, but I want to say something to, to, to add on to that. I think what they were trying to do, and this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. <laughs> but I think what they're trying to do is, in the beginning of the movie and at the end of Man of Steel, you are asked to question whether Superman did the right thing by fighting Zod in the city. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I feel like the logical person would look at that and say, of course that wasn't the right thing to do. I think this movie is trying to defend that position over and over again. That's yeah, why yeah. Bruce says we have to bring him back to the city because they're saying, like, no, Superman was right. And I feel like, again, that means you can't trust him then. This is yeah. my point. It's just like if, if, if the mistake is not a mistake, then he's correct, and I can't see him being correct. Well, I did feel like they went out of their way to, like, like he took the doomsday fight into space and tried to keep it there. Did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like that's um ultimately Dooms the husk of Doomsday still falls to the earth and can potentially kill people. Like well, I, I don't know. I I just felt like what they were saying was like, oh no, that wasn't Superman's fault. Don't worry, guys. He's you know Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean technically it was better than what Man of Steel yes. presents. But mm-hmm. But not well, and and you know, go ahead. Not not for any thematic reason, just purely mechanical. Like, oh, it just happened that he took him to space mm-hmm. this time, and then it happened to be that the city was evacuated. If that city wasn't evacuated and there were people everywhere, they'd be dead. It's just purely a mechanical function of the movie well, that nobody died. You know. I'm I'm gonna play devil's advocate for Man of Steel for a minute because I really didn't dislike that movie. Okay. I you know I I like Man of Steel quite a bit more than than Batman versus Superman. Oh, me um, well, who doesn't? And you know, well, Peter Travers. Uh, well, I've Rolling heard Stone. I you know, I've talked to yeah. Um, the I have always kind of thought it was strange that Man of Steel got so much flack for its its in scene, and the Avengers didn't for its in scene because they're essentially the same thing. Um, sure. 
my argument for that, and this isn't an Avengers apologist cast here, but would be that the Avengers couldn't did not have the power to bring that fight elsewhere. Superman did did have that power. Well, I mean, did Superman really? I mean, like Zod was kind of in control of that fight for. Like, I mean, Zod was more powerful than him. I yeah. think. I mean, it's a fair point. Uh, Here, here's I, my here's my. Thing. I mean, like. I have no I have no problem with with the the death toll or even not taking the fight out of the city. I have a problem with the the fallout. Like there's no sense of regret, there's no sense of despair on Superman's part that this had to happen. There's a makeout session in the crater of a of, you know, basically a blast site um in the ruins of Metropolis with him and Lois Lane, you know. There's not any he screams for like two seconds about no, you know, but there's no fallout and that's the problem. There's no sense that it mattered to anyone, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I can see that. Yeah. I, I don't mean, necessarily I, think we got that really in, in Avengers either, but no, we didn't, but, but I, I wouldn't, people, I wouldn't excuse yeah. Avengers for that either. Yeah, I just think it's I I don't know, I it's hard for me to like both balance like my, my critical reception of the movie, and balance balance. It's hard for me to like draw the line between the critical reception to the movie, which I think is totally valid. It did have a ton of problems, and then also just this kind of like the zeitgeist, you know, like mm-hmm. where it's just these movies are under more scrutiny period. And so sometimes I have a hard time. Like I, you know, I, I can't know where every single person is coming from, but I just sometimes want to like say, and I'm not like directing this at either of you because I get where you guys are coming from. You know, I, I know you guys, but like just in terms of the general consensus, it's like, I do wonder would if this movie had been a Marvel movie and again, like it would have been completely different. There would have been but like if certain things wouldn't get more of a pass, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Well, if this would have been a Marvel movie, somebody would yeah. have said what happened to Kevin Feige. Cause <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, and, and so that's why, you know, it's not an, it's not an app apples to apples comparison, but yeah. well, yeah, so you're saying, you know, you're saying like, well, maybe the WB movies are are some sort of a are being punished somewhat for an oversaturation of superhero movies. No, I'm saying they're being punished because they're WB movies. Okay, because they have a track record of, you sure. know, controversy and mediocrity. Okay, and so whereas Marvel has built up a, you know, a sense of goodwill that yes. they get. Kind of, you know, it's easier to turn a blind eye to some of their failings because the general line is so good. You know what I mean? It's true, and and their movies are so consistent that you watch one and you say, "Well, I gave this an eight out of ten or whatever," and you watch the mm-hmm. next one and you're like, "Well, that's not really the, much worse or better." You know, it's about the same, right? You know, and that's just how it feels. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know. I, I really hated this movie, so I can pro- I, and I can promise you that it's coming from a place of a fan that wants to like 
these people on screen, you know? Mm -hmm. And so to, to, let's go back to the beginning and we'll lead, we'll lead back up to the nightmare thing. Cause I still have one, one or two things I want to say about that. And then the flash, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm just going to, I'll let you know. I genuinely liked the first 45 minutes to an hour of this movie, like genuinely liked it. Um, I was enjoying myself when, <laughs> when the movie comes out, I can get the exact timestamp of the moment that I started hating this movie. Mm-hmm. And that's the nightmare sequence, you know, but it's somewhere after that first hour or so. Mm-hmm. And and the, see, I had a problem in the first six minutes of the movie. Okay. Well, here's and, the thing. Oh, well. The movie is not free of problems before that nightmare sequence. Not by mm-hmm. a long shot. It still has some Snydery issues, you know, but, but it's a coherent movie for the most part. It's a little bit witty. Lex Luthor is not a cartoon yet. You know, like it's an it's an actual movie despite it having some faults, you know. Okay. And when that nightmare sequence hits, not only is that the biggest miscalculation in the movie, if you ask me, but it never recovers because every scene after that is another misstep either deeper into a hole or something that feels like it's completely out of chronological order or doesn't belong in the movie at all. It's a mess. So I mm-hmm. promise you I promise you I went into this with a positive critical eye and I, I was enjoying myself for the first third of the movie and it all fell apart. Brian, go ahead. You were going to say something. Uh, what I was going to say was just that to me, like, you know, and again, I remember when I was in high school, the first Harry Potter movie had come out like my senior year of high school, I think. And I remember a girl I knew from school being like, I will never respect a Harry Potter movie that doesn't feature, like... And she named some totally obscure character that I had never heard of in the Harry Potter movies. And I had read the first Harry Potter book. I'm like, who are you talking about? And she was like, oh, he had a scene in, you know, in the first book for whatever. And I was like, oh, well, who cares, right? So I'm trying not to come at it from, like, the... I'm going to nitpick this because it's not my version of something or because they cut out my favorite things. But I feel like when the movie begins with Jimmy Olsen getting assassinated on screen, <laughs> like, there's just something fundamentally wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. okay, first of all, I was like, they never explicitly say, that's Jimmy Olsen. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. he, he calls her Miss Lane, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, to me, anyone calling her Miss Lane, that's obviously Jimmy Olsen. Yep. But, like, so Jimmy Olsen's a CIA operative who's not Superman's pal, and if he's not Superman's pal, then why the fuck is he in this movie? Like, that's my point with the whole thing. I feel like there were so many yeah. parts of this movie that because are just it's like, a reference. But it's a reference that is so ultimately hollow. Yeah. You know, that would be like if, and this will probably do this because we all know DC <laughs> listens, but that will be like in the Shazam movie when he like calls down lightning and then says to Black Adam, "You've been thunderstruck," and then the ACDC song starts playing. Like it means nothing. It's words that go together, yes, but it means nothing. And okay. I feel like that is Jimmy Olsen in this movie. It's just okay. it means nothing, and so much of this gonna, movie meant, meant nothing. I'm gonna make a comparison that is gonna come to bear when we talk about the <laughs> Rebirth books. Okay, <laughs> yes, um, I love this. Kind of, I think. That kind of, I think, explains maybe where I'm coming from on this movie. Um, so we've kind of, we've talked about, like, there's no denying that, like, Zack Snyder, in terms of, like, 
a like visual director and in terms of like his cinematography and everything is very fairly good very and you know he would you guys agree yes like his his cinematography is very strong he Um, he has talents as a filmmaker right so but the stories themselves are extremely flawed i i hate to keep bringing the marvel movies into this but on the other side of the coin i would say those films are you know extremely solid in terms of like plotting and character development and story in general but have a fairly generic visual oh, tone, absolutely. you know, very homogenous. And so as soon as I saw it, I was like talking to my wife and I made the comparison to a like writer driven comic and an artist driven comic. Mm-hmm. And I, I like have gotten recently to the point where I tend to read more books. I'm drawn more to a book because of the art and it can look past the story a little bit. And so when I'm watching Man of Steel, I'm not saying that like I got all my enjoyment from the visual aspect, but the whole time I don't think like the things that bothered you guys the most about the story, they bothered me, but like you said Vince, you were hating it so much you couldn't wait for it to end to get out of the theater. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I never felt that strongly about it if that makes sense. Okay. You know, I was a, I just like kind of, I'm like, yes, this is what it is. This isn't my thing. I have a lot of problems with this, but somehow coming out of it, and maybe this is also like rose tinted <laughs> hindsight, like, but I, I don't like, I would like to go see it again. Not because okay. like, because I think I would actually, I would enjoy seeing it again to some degree. Interesting. Yeah, I could not. I would not be able to stand sitting in that theater again. But, but, but you know, I might be going Tuesday. <laughs> Just my best friend wants to see it, and I, sure. you know, so that's that's why. But that's fair, Zach. Like, I'm not telling. I'm not telling anyone to hate this movie or like to feel the way that I did. Mm-hmm. All I can all I can do is is give you my experience and assure you that it's genuine. You know. No, and I um, don't. I don't doubt you on that. Any more than I, you know, I know that you wouldn't dismiss my, you know. Yeah, absolutely. My opinions. You know, everybody is allowed to come away from this movie how they want to. And I think that's something that's really important to just, you know, state because the 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 atmosphere and the conversations around this movie have just been the, you know, the epitome of the worst that oh, fandom has to, it's has toxic. to offer. You know, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the flash part a little bit because we never got to that. Okay. So do we want to start with why I liked it or why Brian hated it? No, why you liked it? Let's start there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Brian hated it. You liked it. I'm very much in the middle. So this is interesting. Let's start with Zach and then let's go to Brian and then I'll kind of if I have anything more to say. Okay. Well. For one, I think it just speaks to my, um, like my, it, not not interest necessarily, but it's like it's definitely more in my wheelhouse. Like the the weird time travel doesn't make sense apparition. Like I just I loved that, and like when it happened, it took me. I almost like stood up out of my seat because I was. It was a mixture of like shock and just excitement 
And I, you know, I didn't expect it to happen. And to me, it was arguably probably the most DC moment in the entire film. This flash from the future coming back to tell Batman something and then disappearing. Um, and I do want to say, because I, I think we had mentioned this in the text message, I don't, I think he was wearing some kind of armor or something over his regular flash suit. I don't I think that so. was his normal. <laughs> it seemed to me like the way I took it is that was some kind of like weird time travel gear. I, I may be totally hope. way off, yeah. but that, that helmet that he had on, he had like his flash, ma- flash mask on underneath the helmet, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I thought it was one of the like, like I said, I think it was like the most DC moment in the whole film. And honestly, like one of the most, like one of the more fun moments in the film, if you could even call it, that's what passes for fun in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's my take on it, Brian. Okay. So you guys know, I love like weird comic book shit. I'm not somebody who needs my comics to make total sense, but, um, they introduced the Flash as a character with never saying his name, never showing you what he looks like, and never establishing anything about him. Your first introduction to the Flash is an apparition of a guy who looks like he's like he just walked out of a like sci-fi convention in some suit of indeterminate origin. <laughs> He mumbles a bunch of shit that kind of makes sense but doesn't really make sense in a dream. Um, And then Bruce wakes up and no one mentions it. It has no bearing. (laughs) That could have been pulled from the film and literally nothing about the film changed. I probably would have liked the. I probably would have like the film less if it hadn't happened but, but here's the thing and like, that's, I know it's I know it's illogical and it doesn't make yeah. sense but like I feel like that was a scene that was made specifically for me but like but, okay but if that <laughs> I know? don't I don't disagree with that I think that we are the target demographic for that scene but at the end of the movie when Bruce and Diana are standing there and they're talking about a Justice League don't you think he'd be like by the by I had this <laughs> fucking bizarre apparition appear well, before he, me and like he never does that. There it it completely could be removed from the film. Well, he nothing. also he doesn't he also doesn't tell her about Lex's uh weird psychotic breakdown where he may or may not be possessed by dark side. Well, yes. That's that, because it was that's because it was after that scene in sequence. Well, can, yeah. Can I can I no. Let me interrupt right here. Yeah, you bring that up. I figured you were going to. Yeah, me yeah too. because so, am I like old hat to you guys? Now? No, no, well, but... no, no. I was just waiting on you to bring it up because you hadn't yet, and I knew you, I knew you wanted to. Okay, so, so, uh, the scene where he's standing there and he says, "We need to get the others like you, and we're gonna have, and we're gonna have to fight." And she says, "Why did you say we'll have to fight?" The camera like slowly zooms in on him. And you expect him to say something like profound or give give her some dark rep- side. Some, yeah, and he goes, "Just a feeling, <laughs> just just a feeling." That's what he says. That then, reminded me, by the way, just to interrupt your interruption of okay. the, the scene in the Royal Tenenbaums where Owen Wilson's <laughs> like, uh, "Everyone knows the custard that little bighorn." What this book presupposes is maybe he didn't. Yeah, like, it's just like a completely like unfulfilling way to end that <laughs> sentence. Yep. Yep, yeah. yep. So he says, just a feeling. And and Wonder Woman's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> and it, the very next scene 
is him visiting Lex Luthor in prison with his trusty bat brand, yeah. which is totally something that a normal person who's not psychotic <laughs> would carry around. Well, this Batman is psychotic. There's yes. Yeah. From, from the start, he is psychotic, which makes that gives him no arc when it comes to facing Superman. He's a psycho from the moment you see him. He's a psycho until the end. And which is, and that, that brand, I have a major problem with as well. If Batman's yeah. against killing, he's not for like surrogate killing. Like, right. you know, right. it just it makes no Putting sense. Putting out hits on people? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Anyway, uh, he, he confronts Lex Luthor in prison. And Lex essentially tells him that the bell has been rung for Darkseid and whoever else to come across the stars and find them on Earth, right? Mm-hmm. You flip those two scenes around. And then instead of having Ben Affleck have to say something as stupid as, it's just a feeling I have. He can say that he got a warning. Well, you know? I, I feel like that was the flashback to show us I agree. what the feeling was. Yeah, I agree. Well, I think it was it, supposed to be presented that way. Poorly, maybe, but I think it was. Maybe yeah. you're right, but that is... That's that's how I took it. I don't you know. Okay. It, is, it is weird, for sure. All right, I'm going to admit here that you guys are probably right, but... but and not that I need everything spoon-fed to me, because... Dawn of Justice did enough of that already. <laughs> it did. But, it definitely did. But it was really weird to present those two scenes, you know, back to... It's not like they went to him there and then to the prison cell and then back to him at the, you know... Mm-hmm. Like, there was no indication that that was a flashback. Well, and I, you know, and when I first saw that scene, too, I was like, is this even real? Because it was, you know... It felt... Un... Re, un, I don't want maybe not unrealistic but like there are guards there yeah. then the lights go out then there are instantly no guards there there's Batman there were yeah. like three guards there and they all just disappear and then there's Batman the and I'm like is this Batman a dream <laughs> is this a dream is yeah. this real you know there are so many dreams so yeah. many dreams um I no okay legitimately at the start of the movie when Bruce starts like floating yeah because mm-hmm. I'm like what is this? Yeah. Like, that, and that was a dream. It was yes. a dream. And I should have like learned my lie. lesson at that point. <laughs> um, but yeah. Can, can I also just ask a very practical question? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Why did they shave Luther's head? Because he's in prison. Because he needs he's to be prison bald. He's prison Lex. <laughs> but like, why does prison Lex need, have, need to be bald? Because Lex Luthor's bald. It's prison Lex. I felt like that was a scene the, that was the like. The bad guys will pull his hair. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that scene was just like they should have had a voiceover, like a little, uh, like um, a subtitle at it. Like um, the film is being uh, like manipulated to fit your expectations. Like, okay, yes, well, I, yeah. think, I think I overlooked that completely because the whole time I was like, okay, how's Lex gonna lose his hair? Yep, is he gonna be radiation? Is he gonna get burned off? What's okay. gonna happen? And then when that happened, I was like. Okay, that's a, a legitimate way to get your hair cut. I'll take it. But not, so, only, can I... not only do they buzz his hair, they like bicked it bald. Like, <laughs> there's no reason for that. He's not fucking Magneto of hair. Like, it's not like his right. hair brings him power, and so they had to remove the hair. There's no, no reason trying. for it. Well, can I can can I can I tell you this? Sure. For for the longest time in the lead up to the movie, I thought the same thing. Like, oh my god, the the scene where he loses his hair is going to be so over the top. It's going to be like the worst part of the movie. Okay. 
Like, I can't wait to see the goofy way that he loses his hair. <laughs> and while I'm watching the movie, I thought, he's going to lose it in this weird witchcraft that he does to create Doomsday. Doomsday. Exactly, yes. Like, I totally thought that. And then when he didn't, and they just shaved it off in prison for no reason, like you said, bit clean, yeah. I thought... I wish he would have lost it in that weird <laughs> alchemy because this is that would have made so much more sense. I don't know if I said this on the podcast or just to you guys, but my idea for how he should lose his hair is just look directly at the camera, pull off a wig, and go, Gene Hackman! Like, because that makes just as much sense as them shaving his head bald in prison. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Okay, so so Flash, you, you hated it. Zach liked it. Um, this is what I think. I felt, I agree with Zach. That is the most DC moment in the, in the movie. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Vince. I have one more thing to say. Yeah, go ahead. It is the most DC thing in the movie, but it's the most Flashpoint thing in the movie. It's literally the <laughs> first scene from Flashpoint. Sure. And sure. that's not the DC I want. So anyway, okay. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. But if you take it at like face value, like, the Flash appearing to somebody across time is very much a thing that that DC does that Marvel does less. You know, yes. that that is like a very DC weird uh, science thing, and um, and it's a crisis thing almost. You know, yes, and that's absolutely true. And uh, the problem is, is that that scene to me, it embodied all of my almost all of my problems with. Zack Snyder's take on these characters in a short little scene that's focused on a character we haven't even met yet. So that's why I think that these problems will continue to happen no matter how many movies he's given, no matter how many different characters he's given, he's going to make the same problems or Mm -hmm. he's going to make the same mistakes. And that is that the, the flash appearing to Bruce Wayne, whether it's in a dream or a vision or in reality, doesn't bother me. That's a DC thing. But he appears in this awful, gaudy-looking armor. You cannot tell it's the Flash at all. You're not introduced to him like you said, Brian. He's loud. You can't even understand what he's yelling half the time. I know. Like, he just shows up and he's screaming. He's screaming like a, like a crack addict or like a meth head or something. Like, like. I, I didn't know what he was saying. He said something about Lois, but there, it's, it was yeah. screechy and loud and ugly. And could you guys just imagine if a totally clean-looking Flash in a red costume with a lightning bolt boom, zoomed out of like a boom tube or something and appeared in front of Bruce Wayne and said, I'm Barry Allen, I'm the Flash. You know, something's going to happen to Lois Lane, et cetera, et cetera. Just like a... Not everything has to be a loud, screaming mystery. Like, it's a very DC thing to have him show up and say something as goofy as, I'm from the future. Right. You know? Like, I would have... So, Zach, I wanted to like that scene so much, and I like it in concept. And then in execution, I think it's the the grossest, ugliest thing in the movie, really. I mean, like... I just hate the way he looks, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I get that. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think it bothered me as much. Sure. I mean, it, it was, it was loud. It wasn't clean. Um, you know, of course in his universe, like time travel has to be this like gut wrenching, <laughs> you know, tra- traumatic thing. Right. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. To, to me, it 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 like hit me in a good place. Like it it was sure. something you know that I liked because I instantly started thinking like it actually made me interested for what's going to come next because I'm like, okay, well now we have to get to a point where the flash goes back in time and does this. And we, you know, it, it actually like gave me a hook to follow, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. You know, and at that point, at this point, that probably is like the only hook I have to follow, you know, like, because I'm not really interested in like, in, you know, the getting the band together at this point, because I don't know if we we want to get into that. Yeah. You know? Okay. Here's my big problem with that too. You know, like there's there's the classic like uh, advice for writers: show us, don't tell us. And I feel this like they should took... have been the after credit scene. Well, what you're, yeah, the, I think the scene of them of of Wonder Woman on a computer looking at videos <laughs> of other superheroes. Yeah, looking at yeah video that, files. I mean, that that yeah. should have been an after credit scene, and then it wouldn't have been a problem because you're not telling a story anymore well, you know it, it it's kind just of a bonus still, thing it would kind of still be a problem it would still it would still not be great but i mean it wouldn't be interrupting it wouldn't be part of a narrative that it doesn't belong in exactly yes, okay, okay. I'll, I'll i'll agree with that but the to folder me, was labeled metahumans exactly <laughs> and like there are so many parts of that scene that are like the laziest, like the whole thing is like, all right, how can we introduce the other three members of the Justice League? Well, could there be like a government debriefing on it? No, we've done that before. Could it be that something like I really thought what was going to happen, which would have, which would have given me like, I would have been so rock hard. The seat in front of me would have been like pushed forward is <laughs> if in the middle, the doomsday fight is going really poorly and they're about to yep. lose and the flash and cyborg and Aquaman show up and they're like, they just help. And then they say, we have to talk totally does the same thing. It shows their powers. It yep. gives you intro- an introduction to them and it gives them a purpose going forward with this. It's just like, Oh no, Lex Luthor is a creeper and has these files of people. <laughs> And that's it. Yep. I never would have thought that the first time that we see what was probably a mother box uh-huh. on screen would be one of the worst parts of the movie. Yes. <laughs> you know, like. And I actually gosh. think I had this thought the other day, and I think after this thought, we should maybe give our our closing thoughts or anything we want to really get out there. Because mm-hmm. we've been talking about this movie for over an hour now. Yeah. Um, but I feel like. If this movie existed free of the comics, if there was if this was a new property that Zack Snyder invented, I would have many less problems with the movie. I think it's a terrible adaptation of something I really enjoy. And I feel like the most comic parts of it, the mother box, the flash appearing to Bruce like through time, um all of those, the, the formation of the Justice League, all those parts were the weakest parts of the movie because there's a fundamental misunderstanding of what the source material is. And to me, that's my big takeaway from the movie is like, oh, I always thought Zack Snyder had no idea what he was doing when it comes to superheroes. Now I know for sure he doesn't. He doesn't understand them at all. You know, he said he was trying to, quote, grow up Superman and Man of Steel. Ah. Uh. 
And yeah. like just just that statement alone tells you everything you need to know about that uh that guy. Yeah. So, um what are the things you guys like feel we have to talk about? Well, I... well, oh, go ahead, Zach. You go first. Well, I now I we I have one closing thought, but if so if you guys want to if there's more you want to talk okay. about first, go ahead. I just I just want to talk about one more thing. I mean, there's so much. There's so much that we're not going to cover, right? Um, but, but going back to this idea that it's trying to answer Man of Steel, and maybe, maybe I thought this movie was going to learn from that movie. You know, that's that's ideally what you try to do. You know, you try to grow and learn from experiences that came before. You know, mm-hmm. but super at one point in this movie, Superman leaves and stops helping people. He leaves mm-hmm. Metropolis. He goes to the presumably the Fortress of Solitude, although I don't know that he ever makes it in. Did did he ever make it inside? I I don't know. I, I thought oh, he, he went to some to bizarre ghost. fucking dream sequence that made no sense. Yeah, yeah, okay. So anyway, he sees Jonathan Kent again. Okay? Jonathan Kent tells him a story about how he saved his own farm from a flood once and ended up drowning all the animals on the laying farm next door. By the way, there's a Easter egg for you, Lang. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know because that's super clever. But, <laughs> but what's the one name everybody knows from Smallville? Let's use yeah. that name. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. Like, once again, they give. So Jonathan, the big thing about Man of Steel is that Jonathan Kent's lessons were crap. You know, <laughs> he's the villain of the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. maybe you should have let that uh, bus of kids die, and please let me die in this uh, tornado so that they don't figure out what you are and. And, you know, just just dreadful lessons. And then you, you hope that in the second movie, like, they get a chance to correct that or he learns from them. But Superman is literally learning the same lesson again. Like, he goes into solitude to learn the same lesson about whether he should help people or not. And what Well, does... I felt like that lesson was... I feel like that actually, like, was telling him not to focus on... Like, if anything, he should have learned from that. Like, that was a warning not to focus on Lois so much or, you know, focus on those close to him because it can end up hurting others. You're right. That's how but, I took that. But it's so clumsily, like it makes Jonathan Kent look like a, a idiot again. And then. And what's the solution to that though? That's... I was just, gonna, I was just going to say, how does he end that story? Well, I didn't believe that there were good people until your mother came along. And then I believed that there were There was good in people again. I, yeah. I forgot. So, about that, that. So now it's, now it's I, almost like, you know, that makes him endear himself to like, if I'm going to do it for anybody, I'm going to do it for Lois then. Yeah. You know, you know, and, and you can, I mean, you can argue that Snyder and Goyer and whoever Terrio meant it one way or another, but the way that it's presented and the way that any lesson or any philosophy is presented in this movie is with an answer. And then one that immediately contradicts it or says, mm-hmm. maybe no, no character in this movie is clearly defined to where, there's not some cop out where they can say, well, maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe I shouldn't save anyone. Same with the lesson that he gets from Martha Kent. He goes back to see her be their savior or don't. Right. Eh, whatever. Maybe you don't owe them a thing like, okay, that's a valid human. That's human nature, but that's not Superman. And what lesson is he supposed to learn from that? So the lessons of these movies, like they double down on these, these like mealy mouth lessons about 
well, maybe you should save people, but uh, I don't know. It could cause other bad things to happen, too. Like, there is no stance taken that makes Superman out to be a hero, you know? It yeah. makes It makes everything he does some sort of moral quandary. Not that he can solve, but that he is submitting to. Are, are either of you guys, like, borderline caught up on Supergirl? No. No, no, I'm several episodes behind. Yeah. So am I. But there was an episode early in the season, and I'm not giving anything away, where Supergirl loses her powers for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a, a person who's essentially having a heart attack, and she has to stand there and watch the person die. And it kills her. It's it's just destroying her, because she wants to help everybody all the time, because that's what Supergirl does. And I feel like that's what Superman's supposed to be. Superman's supposed to be the guy who, if he knew that, like, him crashing down in the middle of a field killed a farmer's crop, he would, like, find everything in his power to give that guy a job someplace to make sure his family's okay. Like, (laughs) Superman is the guy who cares more about collateral damage than anybody else, except this Superman doesn't. Well, what what do we have to do to get Berlanti... Snyder's job. That's what I, you know, that's you the know, thing. like, like look what they do every week with a shoestring, but a CW budget or a C- CBS budget is slightly higher, but you know, and then look at what two hundred and fifty million got us. You know, yeah, it's insane. You know, I, I hadn't even, I haven't even really, um, you know, like toyed with the notion that. Snyder's going to lose the reins to this. I <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. I think I think he's going to be the guy behind Justice League and that's why I'm and this is kind of like where I wrap it up like I'm hanging my hat on the Wonder Woman movie and if that one is disappointing then I I don't know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I'm just like I have a lot of hope on the other creative voices that they bring into this because I'm really excited for the Wonder Woman movie now. Yeah, I'm not I, not excited, I, but I'm not uh, <laughs> I'm not like over the moon about it just yet. I, I I ultimately know that Justice League is coming, and that's what makes me unexcited. You know, I I mean. I just have a hard time. I have a hard time thinking of this movie and not getting like red in the face. So, sorry. That'll that'll be my that'll be my that'll be my closing my closing statement. I I came I came out of the theater and like I must have looked white as white as a ghost because I, I did not have a good time in there. <laughs> Understatement of the year, right there. Yeah. Um. All right, do we, do we feel like we've sufficiently hashed out some of this stuff? Yeah, I think so. I think we hit most everything. What I do want to say is, and I think that this is something that, for those that know us as people versus just podcast hosts, I think they would recognize this, but I want to say this to our listeners. We don't think you're dumb if you like this movie. And I think sometimes we can get uh, heated, and I'm the guiltiest of this of, of all of us by a country mile. But, like, I can get very heat about this and I can think there's something stupid or whatever. But, I, I you know, Vince and I were talking before Zach came on the, the line tonight about somebody we know that is very, very pro this movie. And we were saying that 
there's a difference between saying I really enjoyed something versus this is a good thing. And I feel like I can enjoy a McDonald's hamburger and say I really enjoyed that without saying that's the best hamburger I ever ate. Well, yeah. And I, I mean, I feel like that's kind of where I'm coming from. Like under no stretch would I say that this is a good film, mm-hmm. but there were things I enjoyed about it. Yeah. And that's and that's a totally valid position. And I feel like if our listeners out there came out of it, they're like, oh, that was really enjoyable. Like I had, you know, I got to see some visually very cool stuff and I enjoyed myself. Then that's, you know. God bless you. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna judge you on that. Um, and I just want our listeners to know that if you disagree, please like seek us out on Twitter or on Multiversity and talk to us about it. Because I think, I think all three of us are amenable to having our minds changed or seeing something we missed the first time out. Um, and I want people to be comfortable interacting with us, even if our, our opinions are diametrically different than theirs are. Yes, definitely. Vince kind of agrees. <laughs> Vince might judge you a little. Yeah. My silence is deafening. <laughs> um, why don't we do this, guys? Why don't Why don't we take a minute here to compose ourselves, take a little break. When we come back after this commercial message, we will be diving into the uh, DC Rebirth creative team announcements. So stay tuned. Hey, kids. Do you like comics? Do you like in-depth interviews with your favorite creators and interesting discussion about the medium? Do you enjoy different accents? Then chances are you're really going to like Orbital in Conversation. It's the podcast of Orbital Comics in Central London, where we bring you the best and the brightest in comics, and we do it all with a bit of fun, a bit of style, and a bit of panache. You can find us here on the Multiversity Comics Network every week. Okay, we are back, and uh, we're going to talk about something happier. Uh, we're recording this on Easter night. I just had a Cadbury cream egg before we started recording, and uh, we are going to talk about the events of yesterday, which is the reveal of the creative teams for most of DC's Rebirth titles starting in June. Um, there's a live stream of the panel that brought this all from WonderCon, and I have to say the live stream was incredibly well-produced. I know that's like a silly point to bring up, but I've tried to live stream panels before, and this was the best I've ever seen it done. Oh, it was great. It was uh, there was a little bit of audio wonkiness. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard that. Like at one point, Greg Rucka <laughs> sounded like he was coming from beyond the grave to yes. tell me why he liked Wonder Woman. But mm-hmm. uh, but yes, um, very professionally done, and I, I really liked the format too. Although I wish they would have highlighted the artists a little more. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had tweeted at one point that I wish it was just a press release, just because like as a as a journalist trying to cover it. It would have been so much easier to have a press release to to refer to, you know, because it won't. I we had we had company over yesterday. And I was trying not to be an asshole and like pay attention to my brother and sister in law who flew in from Detroit to visit me, you know. But I was covering this thing, and so I walked away at one point. And I missed a creative team, and I had to like scroll through the worst live stream chat of all time <laughs> to find like who the who the artist was that I missed, you know. So uh-huh. uh, in that way, it was a little bit frustrating, but. The big takeaway here is that aside from three books, and we'll get to those later, we now know the initial creative teams for all of these books. So, do we want to just kind of talk generally? Do we want to go like they kind of they presented the books in four lines? They had the Bat books, the Super books, the Justice League books, and then kind of everything else. Uh, so, do we want to take them in those 
categories? How do you want to do this, boys? That's that's fine with me. Yeah, uh, I mean, can we just go down your list? We're going to do Pull Pirate and Pull Blader. Okay. Uh, I, I want to talk about just because I, I have very specific thoughts about the different like houses of books. Okay. Um, first up were the Bat books. They announced uh, Batman, Detective, Nightwing, Batgirl, and Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. I think um, this is probably pound for pound. Oh, sorry. And they also announced at the end of the panel, All-Star Batman, a new Scott Snyder book. I think this is probably pound for pound the strongest category uh, and probably has been at DC for quite some time. But I'll say this. Making Detective Comics a Bat family book, it's like somebody's been listening to us for the past 25 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and they put Alvaro on there too. Yeah, Alvaro Martinez. Alvaro Martinez, that's a hard name to say when you're tired, um, as one of the two artists on it. And Eddie Barrows has been doing the Lord's work over at uh, Martian Manhunter. Yeah. Uh, doing great, great work, so I'm excited about that. Um, you know, we got Tim Seeley on Nightwing, Tom King on Batman, although Tom King, the good news, he's with Michael Jannon, bad news, also with David Finch on art. Um, Hope Larson and Raphael Albuquerque on Night- on uh, Batgirl is like manna from heaven. I almost fell out of my chair when Hope Larson walked out of the yeah. stage. I was like, what? And <laughs> I've then, been a fan for a while. Yeah, and then Batgirl and the, Girls, and the Birds of Prey being written by writers from CW's The 100. Um, you know, that's that's probably the the Bat book that's easiest to poke holes in. Just because we don't know anything but these that these writers have ever done before. I mean, we, we know what The 100 is, maybe, if we're those people who watch that show, which is not me, but that's fine. Um you know, it's kind of a, it's an odd, it, it's, it's the only, to me, no, I guess, I guess the guy who's writing Cyborg, John Semper, is no, has no comic experience either. I think it's interesting that um, two of the bigger properties DC is, are rolling out have non-comic writers on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a whole other story. And then All-Star Batman, it's going to be starting in August. It's Scott Snyder with a rotating series of artists. The three they highlighted were John Romita Jr., Jock, and Sean Gordon Murphy. But they also mentioned Paul Pope in there. And um, I think Tula Louvet, yeah. Afua Richardson. Yeah. And Declan Shalvey confirmed today. Oh, nice. And somebody else said Francesca Francavia. So... Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty great murderer's row of aside from Mermita, that's a pretty good like <laughs> his Batman looks so awkward in that one photo. Oh, that yeah, that he's, cover. It, he's like holding a hacksaw or something and it's just it's not it's not great. Yeah. Um but it I mean, it is it's an exciting um level of talent. I think overall the Bat books are a good sort of indicator of what Rebirth is supposed to be. If you take just the Bat books as a whole, it's taking the things from the last year or so that really worked, things like Bat Family Team-Ups and Tom King and Tim Seeley, and it's trying some new things in addition to that, but it's also relying on people like David Finch and Marcus Toe, who have and Scott Snyder, who have like a, a verified track record with Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, any... Any specific thoughts on those books before we move on to the Superman books? I mean, just like like you said, the Detective Comics book is not something <laughs> to sneeze at. But I mean, they were just like not pulling punches on that one. Yeah, no, I I think they clearly talent load the Batman line. Like the Batman line is never going to be starving for talent. 
Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, it, it gets a little tiring sometimes, but there's a lot you can do with Batman too. You know, I think the three of us talked about this, you know, you could, you could, <laughs> you could publish 52 Batman books and exhaust all the different characters and, and styles, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it is possible. Um, and hopefully with detective, yeah. we'll get to see the, the family run wild, you know? Yeah. Um, we then move over to the Superman books. And I, I think it's very interesting that, um, despite distancing themselves from Batman versus Superman, they really made it clear that Batman and Superman were the stars of Rebirth, which which they should be. They're the, they're the cornerstones of the DC Universe, but I found that interesting. Um, we got uh, we got Jurgens on Action Comics with Patch <laughs> Searcher and Tyler Kirkham and Steven Segovia. We got uh, the Superman, which is not a Lex Luthor book, shockingly. Um, it's you know, actually uh, called I, New Superman. Yeah, they changed the title. Oh, it's a new Superman now. Yep. Oh, interesting. Okay, with uh, Gene Yang and uh, Victor Bog um, Bogdanovic, which is a pretty killer uh, team there. Yeah. Um, Supergirl from Steve Orlando and Brian Ching, uh, Trinity from Francis Manipal, who's both writing and drawing it, along with Clayman, Superwoman, which we don't almost nothing about. Written and illustrated by Phil Jimenez with Emanuela Lupacchino helping out. And then the main Superman book, Pete Tomasi and Patrick Leeson co-writing with Patrick Leeson and Doug Monkey. Monkey, I never know how to say his name. Monk. I think it's Monkey. Monkey um, on art. That, that is also a pretty strong lineup. I think especially uh, if you're somebody who enjoys getting Jurgens. Uh, then it's then it's a lineup that you're Zach. Yeah. Okay, I know you like I, it. Well, that one might have been my biggest disappointment out of the Superman. I mean, I, like I say that like I, I say that like it's a surprising thing. Like oh, <laughs> but but yeah, like I I don't know the the premise sounds interesting, but the team doesn't really interest me that much. So here's the thing: I want to believe in this team. Yeah. I just don't think it's gonna follow through. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. I do like the Lex Luthor angle, though. Yeah, Luthor declares himself the like, Superman of Metropolis. I, I wish that was happening in the in the Gleason. Yes. Book. Yes. <laughs> um, let's dig into Superman for a second here, though, because Zach speculated, and we've seen others do the same online today, that the New Fifty Two Superman is not going to uh, be a part of Rebirth. Yeah, Zach, run run us through that. Give us your theory. Well, so it just seemed like, you know, we we got specific um news that the the Action Comics would have the pre-New 52 Superman. Um and so I think we all kind of assumed like, okay, Jurgens has the pre-New 52 Superman. He's already writing him anyway. And then Tomasi um and those guys will have the regular Superman in in the main Superman book. But when you go and look at the cover that they posted, the Gleason cover, um, it shows the the pre-New 52 Superman ripping off the black suit that he's been wearing, and he has the new suit underneath, and it has Lois and John on the cover as well. So it's, I mean, it seems like it's leading you to believe that that's the 
pre-New 52 Superman, and we've also only seen one new Superman costume. Um, they didn't show two. Uh, and I, f- I feel like if they were going to differentiate the two, you would have the pre-New 52 Superman wearing the red, wearing his underwear on the outside. Right. And we didn't see that at all. You know, so it, it really seems like they only have one Superman moving forward. Can I give you guys my guess as to why that is? Yeah. Uh, Jeff Johns mentioned that there's going to be a death as the catalyst for rebirth. Oh, boy. And Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. And we also know that the main character of New Superman gets the powers of Superman mysteriously. And mm-hmm. so I think it's going to be a case of the New 52 Superman sacrificing himself and somehow bestowing his powers in death upon this kid. See, I totally think that's it because you will also remember there was that news. I think Rich said that there was something that was going to happen in Batman versus Superman that was going to influence where Rebirth went and who dies in Batman versus Superman. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, if that's the case, well, for, I think we actually need to, uh, and I, I'm the one guilty of this, I think we have to back up for a second and talk about what we actually think rebirth is because I feel like we still don't have a great answer for that. Uh huh. And they keep saying it's not a reboot and there are certain aspects. Like for instance, they're talking about how cyborg Superman is going to be Supergirl's father. I thought that was already the case. The way they reacted on stage was if it had never been said before, but that totally sure. No, that is the case in Supergirl. That was the last Supergirl run that, that was like the cornerstone of the book. Um, Mm -hmm. so like, it's not rebooting something like that, but it is bringing certain things to the forefront. So I don't, what do you guys think rebirth actually is? I know John's has, has said like, it's a continuation of these stories from action comics number one through today. I think he just means it's not going to be, uh, there's going to be some sort of retconning that other stuff didn't happen. I feel like all the stuff that previously happened still happened. Yeah, there's going to be some kind of like. I totally think that Rich is probably on but to something. We keep saying Rich. The, we keep saying Rich Johnson yeah, of really cool. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, I think he, you know, he's been reporting that it has something to do with some kind of like mass memory wipe. Yeah, and that I, you know, I think we're probably going to get some kind of magic hand waving of the new Fifty Two away, and everything will still be the way it was but people will just remember things other you remember things that happened before the new 52 started so like everything in the new 52 happened but so did other stuff i just like the to me the big thing that is going to be people's like the white whale of this is going to be wally west wally west i was just oh, i thought i thought you were going to say pandora no, no, no. Pandora's I'm done. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. I'm just kidding. Because like people, and look, <laughs> I personally, I don't care if Wally West is white or black. That has no bearing on my enjoyment of the character. But I think it's hard to be like, oh, all the stuff that you remembered happened happened, except Wally was also black the whole time. And right. like you know, it's just, and I don't, again, I don't care about his color. It just seems to me like, and we know that we're like the cover of Teen Titans has. New 52 Wally West in the classic Kid Flash costume. 
mm-hmm. in, the, in the reflection of the Damien's holding like a knife or something. I don't remember what it is offhand. Um, but like we see him in there. So I just don't see how, to me, that's the problematic part of, of that. So yeah. wait, <laughs> what happened to the Bart Allen that's been running around New 52 Teen Titans? That's a great question. Considering I haven't read that book in years, and then I I think he probably just went back to his home planet. You know, uh, yeah, he died on the way back. Okay, yeah. well, that, I, like yeah. he probably did. He probably like went back because he was still from the future. Yeah, so I bet he just yeah he went to his he went to the future and never came back. Okay, <laughs> all right. So so what is rebirth? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess we don't know. We don't even know the the smallest inkling except that. Uh, you know, you said that it harkens back to, to Action Comics number one. I believe uh, Jeff Johns said that specifically there will be something from Action Comics one that shows up. Superman re- threw that car he picked up through time, and that's why there's all these <laughs> anomalies, because that car has been wrecking havoc. Yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, so I'm I'm sure it won't be something that's like... Because I just read Action Comics number one the other night, mm-hmm. and there was nothing that stood out to me that could be like, oh, whoa, I wonder if they showed this. And then, it, you know, that that comic is pretty rote. You know, whatever it's going to be is it's going to it's going to be just like a visual cue to it, to like you said, let you know that everything is still the same that from what happened before. You know, what I find really odd about Rebirth and the timing of Rebirth specifically is that we just had Convergence, which tells us that everything happened on alternate Earths. Mm-hmm. And they're like less than a year later, they're like, psych! No, <laughs> yeah. no. Like it just That's what's weird to me. Is like, I wonder if they felt Convergence was going to fix everything. And well, here's, when it didn't, they pulled the chute? Yeah, well, here's the thing. I think Convergence... I believe Convergence set everything up for the multiverse again where everything happened happened and happened on different earths and now rebirth my knowing what little we know this is just a guess rebirth only exists to basically wipe clean the new 52 you know yeah like it's it everything's everything's not going to go back to the way it was but they're going to more or less take the things that they want to push from the new 52 and collide them in with the classic versions of the characters, which is why I think there's a high probability, and you can all make fun of me like when this doesn't happen, of the original Wally West coexisting with the New 52 Wally West. Because you're right, that is the biggest elephant in the room. And who is who is the one that everyone is talking about when they talk about legacy? It's Wally West. It's not Kyle Rayner, you know, although he he's included in that. <laughs> well, I I'm, love I'm kidding, Kyle. I'm kidding, like, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. You know what I'm talking about? Like, Absolutely. Like, who is it when, what's missing? There's something missing. Like, Wally West, the Wally West of the New 52, basically because he hasn't been written very well, is not Wally West. And he doesn't make you think of legacy. Because the pass from Barry Allen to Wally West was like the biggest legacy moment in... DC Comics history, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Yeah. So I feel like that's what they're alluding to. So do we do we want to talk? I mean, one of my ideas for tonight was we were going to put odds on who the who's on the re, who's hidden from the Rebirth cover at this point. Mm-hmm. Do we want to do that right now, or do sure. we? Wanna, 
Okay, so if you've seen the cover of Rebirth number one, it's like the the uh, the creation of Adam, the painting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone's reaching out to touch a finger of somebody who is just off the page. You can see. We can only presume that off page is George Bluth Senior. <laughs> and Superman is wearing the front's piece. Exactly. <laughs> so um. So who who do we see on that cover? Does anyone have it quick to pull yeah, up here? I've yeah, I do. It. There's Superman, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Hal, Aquaman, Supergirl, Green Arrow, Batgirl, Shazam, uh, Jessica Cruz, Martian Manhunter, Cyborg, Starfire, and then another hand off that's coming off the panel that I can't tell who that is. Maybe. Okay. Might be like Beast Boy. No, he's not green anymore, is he? Is Beast no, he's, green? He, he's green again. He's green again. It might yeah. be Beast Boy. Comics, everybody. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, so, so, uh, for, first, how of dare all, you imply that the Ravagers did not leave a lasting impact <laughs> on comics? I just remembered that was the thing. Now that you... that's going to tie into the game we're going to play in a little while. So uh, get ready. All right. <laughs> Paul Pirate or Ravagers? <laughs> no, no. I, I have a fun way to end this podcast. It's just a game. Oh, so okay, great. Uh, so so let's let's do it like this. Who do you guys think is most likely the owner of said hand? Booster uh, Brian. Gold. Booster Gold. Yeah. Any reasoning? Well, so, so I have I have three different thoughts here. Okay. The first is that because we all know Jeff Johns. <laughs> Booster Gold is is there. Booster Gold is also key with time travel, and he's very indicative of like something that, that's been missing in the New 52. And I feel like so many of Jeff John's prior triumphs have revolved around him. That that makes sense to me. My secondary guess is um Jay Garrick. Like pre-flashpoint Jay Garrick. Mm-hmm. Because if you remember that rebirth poster we saw the um the uh curtain with like the with like the characters behind the curtain mm-hmm. the, one of the big things was the Jay Garrick helmet and we haven't seen anything earth 2 at all and maybe the reason why is because that's the big reveal mm-hmm. so i could see Jay Garrick be in the hand and my third thought uh, is um is the old Wally West which i i know is who you think it is Vince yeah um Zach, who do you think it could be? Um, I think all of those are good options. Um, I do think, just like looking at the hand, I've got it blown up on my screen right now. I'm getting really <laughs> forensic with it. It does look like it could be Booster. I think Booster is probably like the most likely one. Uh, my joke pick is Superboy Prime, and I'm kind of <laughs> sticking to that. Vince would be so mad for reasons I don't really understand. Well, yeah. Um, I, I don't think Superboy Prime is I can't like. I would. I see I mean, you. Re- you reveal. Not. I'm not. I'm not knocking your pick. I'm just explaining why I would be mad because I. I do think that's a legitimate possibility. Let me just mm-hmm. say, like, I think that that could legitimately be because that is representative of pre-Flashpoint. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think. I think when you're teasing that in front of an audience that's live around the world, and then the day that that's revealed or whatever, you know who the hand was. Mm-hmm. If it's Superboy Prime, 
eighty percent of that audience goes, huh? You know, that's like, true. Yeah, well, again, but about who that are they going for here? Like, yeah. that's the whole. Thing. You know, like they've made it pretty clear that the audience they're going for are the, or that seems to be they're going for the hardcore fans again. You know, they're that's kind true. of they're not too worried about alienating people. That's true, um, but is Superboy Prime iconic enough even for them? I mean, like it, he's a crisis character. Is he's been some, in every crisis except for final. Final, yeah. Do people actually like Superboy Prime? No, and see, that's the thing. Here's my here's my pitch. If I was gonna, I'm I'm getting in John's head, and if I was gonna bring Superboy Prime back, you know, we're trying to redeem the DCU. The last time we saw Superboy Prime, he was back on Earth Prime. Um. Well, some stuff happened in Blackest Night, but I think that was a joke. I'm not going to count that. <laughs> I feel like those were joke issues. But at the end of like Legion of Three Worlds, he was back on Earth Prime and he was like depowered. So like if Johns were to say like he's been there this whole time reading the comics and he, he knows that things aren't right and it's like a re- like a reformed Superboy Prime. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he he's like done his time you know paid his penance and now he is reading these comics and he's just like us uh-huh. he's the fan and he sees that something's not right that's yeah. how i could see it going down what oh man yeah what if that is him saying like i love this world but something is missing because yeah. that's been his whole thing is you know he's the embodiment of the DC fanboy in the DC right. universe. Yeah, right. Uh, I just think that's such that's well worn territory. You oh, know? it definitely it definitely is. It's definitely the least exciting, like uh-huh. storytelling wise. It's the least exciting of the options. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. That doesn't mean it's going to be wrong though. I definitely think I think it's most likely Wally or Booster, or yeah. maybe even maybe even Bart. Because I think he had, wasn't in his like Flashpoint mini, he like still remembered everything and then just kind of disappeared when Flashpoint happened. Hmm. Yes, yes, he was, oh, that's a, that's a good call, man. Yeah, he was like running through time. Mm-hmm. As speedsters are wont to do. They do yeah. like that. I yeah. Just, I think it's either a booster or a speedster. Yeah. What's what I'm wondering is, like, I'm looking at this piece of art now, and there's something really odd about it, which is that Jessica Cruz is in her new costume, but Supergirl's in a costume I've never seen before. I think that's her like current New Fifty Two is one, isn't it? I think so. I don't. She's got the, like the boots and the, boots the... Like a, but the the like the like torso looks different than I remembered it looking. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Um. But anyway. Um. Vince, do you have any other outside shots? Well, I was just going to say Wally West is my pick. And then um, uh, Dan DiDio is obviously a... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, no, I think that I think that's it. I think we I think we covered the logical choices. Now watch, it's going to be somebody like... It's Pandora. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yep. But uh, another thing, before we move on from Rebirth number one, because uh-huh. I think we've exhausted all that we know about it, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that is Supergirl's 
current uh, okay. costume. Um, I I did want to say that that Jeff Johns mentioned that it starts with Batman and the Joker. Apparently, did you guys hear that? It yeah, starts with Batman. Like I don't remember him saying the Joker because the Joker thing is from Justice League Fifty. I thought he was saying that they was working on like a case with the Joker, but I could oh maybe be wrong. maybe he was. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure he says he says it starts with like everything in the DC universe with starts with Batman and the Joker. So I don't remember him okay. saying the Joker there. Oh, See, we that's could, we could rewatch that. Do we have well, that's to? that's something so else I wasn't clear on. Is the Joker thing happening in Justice League 50? Because I thought it was like it's separ- a separate thing. No, but that's then happening I in Justice League 50. It is in that's, Justice League 50. Is that yeah. so? Was that cover for Justice League 50, or was that huh? which cover? The, the the Joker cover that Fabok put up. No, I think that oh, was just the different like faces. And yeah. that was just like an image, like a teaser image. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I thought they made it. To me, they made it sound like it was going to be like a like a one shot or something later. To but me, that was it, that was the weirdest part of the presentation. Yeah. Was bringing Fabok out to be like, hey, remember this book that isn't done yet that you know we want you to care about. Yep. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah. I could not care less who the Joker is, but I I cannot wait for us to do like crazy fantasy picks for the Joker. Yeah. In the future. Well, that's even weirder than like it made sense to me when I thought it was going to be like a one shot something, but if yeah, it's just no. like in Justice League in the last issue, that that's they weird. just had they just had to acknowledge that this is a big thing that's happening, you know, before rebirth even though you know or it's going to happen concurrently with rebirth really because those issues are going to bleed over right uh which but like john's is still off justice league at 50 right and then because that's what they keep saying but then there's the two more issues that are coming and we don't know anything about those yeah yeah and it's especially weird because there's no john's book announced right so can i just say that I, John's is smarter than to actually give the Joker like a real yeah identity, right right I don't know <laughs> okay I like John's a lot but I I don't know he does like he does like him him the retcons for sure yes he does he loves um, the retcons yeah right, are we ready to move on to the next batch yeah, of books yeah sorry we, that's okay no yeah. uh for some reason Wonder Woman got lumped in with the Superman line mm-hmm. because. They don't know what to do with Wonder Woman, clearly. I thought with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's uh, Greg Rucka and Liam Sharp and Nicholas Scott. A pretty amazing lineup with a pretty amazing concept for that book. Mm-hmm. With having the two alternating stories. Uh, did you guys see what Rucka put on his Tumblr yesterday? Yes. No, I didn't. Uh, he wrote like a very eloquent thing about why he's doing this and you know didn't he have a lot of bad blood with dc yes he did but he's realizing he's not getting any younger and this opportunity is too good to pass up but the interesting thing to me was he said he plans on writing at least 24 issues and that's only a year of double shipping comics mm-hmm. yeah so but he's planning on being being on it for a year uh, i put the over under of him at 12 actually really you think after the f- first arc he's well, the first arc is going to be 24, I think, but I could just see him having trouble with uh, with DC people. Oh. See, and I, I, I want to believe that all is going to be well, you know? Thanks, St. Walker. Um, <laughs> booyah. I have very little hope yeah. <laughs> after BBS. Yeah. Um, those are my initials and my sons. <laughs> um, 
So next up, we have the Justice League line. And if I'm being totally honest, this is when my hopes got dashed. Yeah. Rebirth a little bit. <laughs> um, specifically, the Justice League book itself, written by Brian Hitch, drawn by Tony Daniel and Fernando Pissarin. Uh, that just to me is like the the least interesting Justice League creative yeah. team I can imagine. I think everybody on the team has talent. It's just not like the New Fifty Two conditioned us to believe that the Justice League was the center of the DC universe. Mm-hmm. And if this is the creative team driving the DC universe, then I don't know what to think. It's well, not. It's, it's not anymore. Yeah, because it's a. It's Tom King. It's yeah, it's Batman versus. Batman very Superman all the way. <laughs> Batman very Deathstroke Superman. Yeah. Uh, then we have the book that I'm actually very excited about, The Flash, by uh, Josh Williamson, Neil Gouge, and uh, Carmine. Uh, Williamson messed it up on stage, so I'm going to mess it up. Uh, DJ Domenico. Boom! DJ Domenico. Uh, hey, let, let the Italian at least try it. Come on. DJ Domenico. Exactly. Then we get. To me, this is when my hopes went from, like, down to dashed, which is Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, with Robert Venditti staying on the book, with Ethan Van Skyver and Rafa Sandoval. When, okay, so when they brought Venditti out, that's when I was like, oh. Yeah. So we're really not, this isn't really, like, a full-on rebirth. Like, <laughs> they're not really, like, we're not really doing this. I got the impression at this point that they worked really hard on the Superman and Batman titles, and we're like, we don't have the time or the resources to work that hard for everything else. So let's yeah. fill it out, and then let's correct as we go in the future. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, Ethan Van Skyver on Green Lantern doesn't interest me anymore. It did at mm-hmm. one point. It doesn't anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, then there's Green Lanterns by Sam Humphreys with Robson Roca and uh, Artie and Siaf. Uh, we're going to come back to Titans in a second. Aquaman by Abnett, Dan Abnett and Brad Walker on scripts, and then Brad Walker, Hayes Marino. Apparently, apparently Walker's not writing it. That was a typo. Oh, it was a typo? Okay. Yeah. And Phil Briones on uh, art. Um, uh, we also have Cyborg by John Semper, who's the Dio's old buddy from animation, uh, which makes me dislike him for no reason that really is valid, but just to me, and I think there's a, a conversation to be had here about all the talk of the friends that were brought in to help out, like um, Liam Sharp being an old running mate of uh, Jim Lee's and Greg Rucka and Jeff Johns being friends. Like, I feel like there was a lot of, like, we hired our buddies, which is the worst look for anybody uh, to come out with. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, and John, Con- John Semper's writing that. Will Conrad and Paul Pelletier are the artists on Cyborg. Um yeah, and then Titans by Dan Abnett and Brett Booth. Uh, is there any... Oh, we'll get... Sorry, sorry, Brett. We'll get to Titans in a second. Uh, this is about that episode of The Simpsons where you can literally see when Ralph Wiggum's <laughs> heart breaks. That's like, you could literally hear when they said Brett Booth, uh, my heart actually broke. Because yeah. Dan Abnett, I think, could do a good Titans book. He could, but let me tell you, like... His his work is up and down for me. Yeah. And have you been reading Titans Hunt? I actually I have tomorrow off, and part of my goal for tomorrow is to catch up on Titans Hunt. Some of the dialogue in that book, man. You called it though, Vince. Like, I well, I had heard that. I and okay. I don't I don't remember where, but I heard. 
I was probably on one of the dumb Reddit threads that I haunt every now and then, but mm-hmm. somebody said, somebody was like, what's up with Scott Liddell writing the rest of Titan's Hunt? And I think he's only doing one issue, actually, which is even weirder, but that's a sure. whole other story. And somebody said, well, Dan Abnett's working on the actual Titans book that's coming out of Rebirth, so that's why. And I, I just took that, I mean, it sounded so logical that it was like, well, okay, sure, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but real quickly, uh, we're we're gonna do a game later. With, not a game, but it's an activity of how excited we are about these books. But besides, for Titans being the death of my hope, um, is there anything else you guys want to talk about with this line before we get to our game later? I I really want Green Lanterns to be good. Yeah, yeah me too. I hope I hope like Humphreys is like able to find a place to grow with DC where he yeah. kind of didn't get that at Marvel. Jeff John seems very excited about him being there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a good sign for his um, job security, mm-hmm. but maybe not for the book itself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Titans obviously breaks my heart. Brett Booth on that is the, like, that is to me the least logical person to put on that book. It just seems to me like that. Brett Booth is so indicative of, like, the 90s and the New 52. And this is supposed to be undoing but, all that, and you put him on the legacy characters. Nobody knows how to draw Roy Harper with that hat like he does. Right? <laughs> <sighs> all right. Anyway, <laughs> we'll get back to that in a second. Uh, let's just plow through the last of the announced books. Uh, Harley Quinn, which is the exact same creative team as last time. Uh, Jimmy which Palmiotti. makes total sense. That's... Yeah, Palmiotti and Connor, who is now exclusive with Chad Harden and John Timms, Suicide Squad by Rob, Rob Williams, Jim Lee, and Philip Tan, Batman Beyond, exact same creative team as well, Dan Jurgens and Bernard Chang, Green Arrows keeping Ben Percy as his writer and getting Otto Schmidt, who I'm not familiar with, and Juan Ferreira, who I am familiar with, who I really like, who's been who's been over on, um, he was first on Gotham by Midnight, and now he's over on... Uh, he's doing new Suicide Squad right now, I think. Yes, new Suicide, with Sealy. And mm-hmm. that's quite good. Um, the Hellblazer, Simon Oliver, and Moritat, which I guess be excited. Uh, Simon Oliver is a good writer. Moritat's a great artist. And it's a Swamp Thing and John Constantine book, so that's that's pretty cool for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deathstroke by Christopher Priest. That's that's To me, that's the one that hasn't been getting enough traction online. Yeah, that's huge, and I can't believe nobody's talking about it. Yeah. Well, maybe it's because arts by uh, Carlo Palaguan, Igor Victoria, and uh, Victorino rather, and Felipe Watanabe, all of whom are okay artists. But uh-huh. I feel like you're bringing Christopher Priest on. You got to put. You should put like a huge person with him. Yeah. Um, right but still, the... like, like people are so sick of Deathstroke books, and yeah. and and I actually want to read that now because yes. Christopher Priest is writing it. Exactly. Um, Red Hood and the Outlaws by Scott Lobdell and Dexter Soy with the new Outlaws of Artemis and Bizarro. That sounds like a joke book. That sounds like uh, magnet poetry. Like, just like putting two random names with Red Hood. I know they're trying to make like a new Trinity or Dark Trinity, whatever they said, but it's dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Uh, Blue Beetle by Keith Giffen and Scott Collins because, of course, why would it be good? Um, <laughs> Teen Titans by Ben. Wow. Yeah, uh, Teen uh, and I like Scott Collins. It's not really, it's not a knock on Collins. And I like Giffen in theory, but I do uh... like that it's. I do like that it's uh, Ted Cord yeah. and Jaime Reyes. You know, I don't, I don't know if I caught that. Yeah, they said Jaime Reyes with his mentor Ted Cord. Okay, 
So there's that. And then you know he's gonna put the costume on. Of course. And then uh, last but not least, or maybe it is least, I don't know. Uh, Teen Titans by Ben Percy and John Boy Myers. I like John Boy Myers. Ben Percy, I I didn't read much of his Green Arrow run, so I can't tell you how I feel about him specifically. Um, I don't know, but that first issue was so bad that I had to stop reading it. It was like Ollie riding on a motorcycle and yep. saying some like really hard-boiled dialogue. Yeah. Um, but but Andy Curry's on Twitter swearing up and down that the new Green Arrow is good. So okay, I, you know, what can I say? Sure. Can I? Uh, can I? Let's go back and talk about Amanda Connor for a second. Okay. Did you Did you guys hear the part where she said that she legally has to drop yeah, three books? Yeah. Three yeah, books, does, yeah. That, does that mean three issues of a book or three different titles? I think it means three titles. On? So that's really interesting because I she's... thought it meant three issues is how I took it. I Only because it... I had talked with Yannick Paquette uh-huh. at C two E two, and he was talking about he how he's like contractually obligated to do like six issues a year. Oh, okay, so that seemed like reasonable. Yeah, sure. Well, I just want to see her draw anything again because she's great, and I don't think she's really done. She's done like a story segment here and there, I think, but yeah. like no steady work since. Uh, what well, one of those mini? Remember those like American comics miniseries they did? Yeah, Bomb Girl or whatever, you know yeah. those kind of things. She did one of those, I think. Yeah, but... I just don't want her to draw Harley Quinn because I'm sick of that character. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, I am. Sh- by the way, I am shocked to shit that Harley Quinn wasn't in Batman versus Superman because she is like the walking aesthetic of that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she's going to, I mean, if, if she's not blown up already, which she is, she's about to blow up here this summer. Yeah. <laughs> I think exactly. So. Yeah. Um, um, okay. And then the last three books, uh, all of which were announced. Well, Gotham Academy second semester was not mentioned at all, but Brendan Fletcher took to Twitter to say it's still happening. Uh, Earth 2 was not mentioned in the slightest as well, um, which is very, very odd. And then Super Sons and Justice League of America, both coming in September, both without creative teams. So that either means they don't have anybody or there are such big surprises that we'll see. Well, they've got Super We know who Super Sons is. Um, is that official or is that a rumor? That's official. Yep. Okay. It's uh, Newsarama had it before Bleeding Cool. Newsarama had it yesterday and Bleeding Cool reported on it today. Uh-huh. Uh, but yesterday, Newsarama had Chris Burns, Dennis Culver writing, and then Jorge Jimenez on art. Dennis Culver is a good get for DC. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um. So yeah, that's that's the line overall. I think that it's a much more conservative line than I think everybody hoped for. In terms of new and exciting talent on things, and I, I'm going to be writing about it this week. I decided I'm going to write a big piece about uh, about this topic and how I think that DC is trying to steer its ship in a in a sustainable direction. And I think the way to do that, in their eyes, is to do everything in a more conservative way. So not to have all these crazy new creators, but to keep things kind of status quo and just make sure the status quo is really good. And if that's the case, like if, if Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern Corps is good, I'm not going to complain, but I wouldn't have necessarily picked Rob Venditti to keep doing that book, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I think one of the really bad looks from this line is 
the almost complete lack of people of color yeah as creators as well as i believe uh, steve orlando is the only lgbtq creator right uh yeah i mean i don't want to i don't want to say that for sure no i'm sorry but... james tynan i believe is is gay yep. as well yeah he's bisexual he's bisexual okay yes uh um... so but I, I feel like they made a big deal with dcu to be more inclusive with their creators as well as their characters yeah and i feel like this is a step backwards oh i agree i agree 100 percent. and um okay on the one hand I, i'm gonna say there's a small you know the thing is is that dcu did not do the numbers that they wanted it to right like that's a fact but I'm going to blame them 100% for running in the opposite direction away from it. Mm-hmm. You know, just because it didn't do the numbers you wanted doesn't mean you can't have both. You know, yeah. you can have diversity and you can put them on your uh, generic titles. You know, yes. Th- these titles across the board are fairly standard. There is nothing here aside from Super Sons, maybe one or two others that's like weird out of the ordinary type, you know, everything here is very meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. You can put those creators of color, LGBTQ writers, artists, um, of all races and sexes, you know, you can put them on those books, you know, is, is mm-hmm. it, it's just <laughs> the, the books do not have to be a certain, I mean, I understand why a book like, um, Midnighter is a tough sell, you know. That's a character that is very good, written by Steve Orlando, but like doesn't have widespread popularity, you know. Right. Same with Doc Fate, you know. That's a tough sell, especially the way it looks too. The art's gorgeous, but it's not normally what you would expect. Right. And you know, I, I I'm somebody who thinks that, you know, I, I'm often torn in these cases because, you know, there was a rumor that Marguerite Bennett was going to be writing Wonder Woman. And if you read Bleeding Cool, they say that the project that she lost in 2016 that's forcing her to do a Patreon is Wonder Woman. I think it's more likely she's talking about uh, Angela, Queen of Hell, being canceled kind of very quietly. Uh, but mm-hmm. be- yeah, specifically because Liam Sharp talks about having seen multiple scripts from Rucka. And if Rucka had time to write multiple scripts, then this isn't a last-minute change, you know. Um, but regardless, like, I'm not mad that Greg Rucka is doing Wonder Woman because Greg Rucka is a great writer. And I'm super thrilled that Hope Larson is doing Batgirl, not because she's a woman, because she's a great writer. Um, I just think that comics are so much better when they're trying new things. And so many of these creators, we just know what they do. And it would be nice to see some people who we don't know who they what they do yet. And if those people happen to be, uh, you know, women, people of color, you know, non-straight, cisgendered people, that's perspective we don't get in comics as much as we should. And so I think it's exciting to have those creators on books because hopefully that means that we're getting interesting, different new books. And, you know... Someone out there might be the biggest Brian Hitch fan, the biggest Tony Daniel fan in the world. I can't see those guys coming out with anything as idiosyncratic or interesting as a new writer could. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Where's so, Gen- Where's Genevieve Valentine? You know. Well, okay, that's another. Where's, want- where's Marguerite Bennett? I do want to talk about that. I think there's a lot of creators that are that are 
noticeably absent. You mentioned Genevieve Valentine and Marguerite Bennett. Greg Pak and Aaron Cooter are nowhere to be found. Jeff Johns is nowhere to be found on this. Um, Jason Fabach, who they flew in for the event, <laughs> does not do anything. Uh, Ivan Rice, I know, is doing the Rise of the Seven Seas Green um, Aquaman arc, but we don't know when that's happening. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of big DC talent that is not represented here. And yeah. I, I wonder if that I wonder if they're already working on the next batch of books. Oh, and, I, I would think I'm so. Sure they are, and yeah. we're and we're gonna get like in September another another ten or twelve books. Mm-hmm. Well, like John's said, I saw someone had quoted him as saying something like, um, Earth Two, Legion, New Gods, and one other big book oh shazam mm-hmm. we're, we're all coming um he he just said they they needed the the proper story to bring them in and he didn't want those to be drowned out by all of the other stuff so those are like four huge you know books properties that are right. still in the pipeline yeah and to be fair you know we don't know the justice league of america lineup yet that could be any number of those creators tackling that or the earth two or you know We'll see. We'll see. And, and I do so believe. Who that do you com- really? Who do you really think is writing JLA? <laughs> I know you think it's Jonathan Hickman, and I would I don't love know it. If I really think that. I would. Oh, you really want to think that? This is what I think. Can I tell you what I honestly think? Absolutely. I bet. I bet they had somebody. Yeah, and, and they backed and, out. And they saw Hickman's tweet, and they said, "Wait a minute, we got a dump truck of money. <laughs> We're gonna drive it up to his house." <laughs> no, go ahead. So to to me, I I think Hickman would come over for Legion and nothing but Legion. I I think he'd come over for Legion if they said, "Look, you got to write an arc or two of Justice League of America, and then you can have Legion." Maybe. I don't know. I'm pulling it out of my ass. Yeah, so. that could be. Um, any other just general notes before we move into pull pirate and pulp? Um. Did, I mean, does the over overall? What do you guys think of this lineup of books? I mean, let's take a global perspective of it. I think this can. I'm sorry, Zach, to cut you off. Um, I think this, if handled properly, can put DC on the path to not having garbage comics every month. <laughs> and I feel like I'm not saying all their comics are garbage, but I think if you look at any time since the New Fifty Two, there's been the Bat books and there's been everything else, and I think that they're trying to give the same synergy and spirit of the Bat books to their other lines. And if that if that's the case, and if that works, that would be a good thing. But I think that about halfway down this list, everything gets real dull real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of like I honestly don't think it's that much better than the way things are. I think the good has just maybe redistributed a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's actually maybe in the wrong direction. You know, we're losing some of the cool, weird tertiary books and everything at the top is looking good. 
yeah. you know, the the rich are getting richer. And that's um, Bernie Sanders. I know, right? <laughs> um, but I, I mean, it that's disappointing. But on the other hand, like all the messaging and stuff that we're getting sounds closer to like what I want from DC. Yeah, not yes. that what I want is you know the best, but it, it I'm definitely like it's a net positive for me i think yeah you kind of took the words right out of my mouth zach when you said uh uh the messaging is there i i think what jeff johns i i may have mentioned this on the last podcast or else maybe it was just with the two of you guys but um i i got a keen impression that when the new 52 happened although jeff johns had a couple of books never felt like he was 100% on board with it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I I always thought there was something in him that said that it was a mistake, you know? Yeah. Well, there's that Kevin Smith interview that I think we tend to bring up. I always go back to that. Yeah, he just sounded so hedgy when he was talking about it, you know? And they even brought that up in the in the presentation. They said, you know, Dan DiDio comes into my office every morning and he throws this bomb at me. And he said, you know, anytime somebody mentions a relaunch or a reboot, he he it gives him pause, you know. But I feel like this one is actually, maybe I'm naive, but this one is actually driven more by Jeff Johns, you know. He's not writing a book, but he's collaborating with a lot of people in his office, at least, for now. Right. You know? And in his messaging, I, I want to believe him. You know, at the end of the day, this is still a corporation, and corporations lie to you all the time. Right. But I, but I want to believe him because I trust Jeff Johns after all these years in some way. You know. Yeah. But then you look at the spread of books, and I, I was over the moon when it was Batman and Superman, and then, like you said, after Justice League and everything else, then it looked very vanilla to me. And like, like, do we need another Red Hood and the Outlaws? Right. Okay. We okay. We knew we were gonna get. You know, Harley Quinn was going to be the same. Kind of had a feeling that, uh, you know, there would be another Deathstroke book because they keep trying to push that. Even though I'm interested in Christopher Priest, you know, it's just that they're feeding up the same stuff in different combinations. But what really matters, because a book can have any title that you can give it, if the story's good, that's what matters. You can write a good Deathstroke story. Right. You can write a good Suicide Squad story. So so I'm with you, Zach. Like, the, it's a net positive, but after the initial high of those first two waves of titles they talked about, I was surprised at how quickly I deflated. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think that's just the state of things at DC. They They know what to do with Batman, and they are slowly learning what to do with Superman again. But they don't know what to do with the rest of their characters. I think you yeah, know I they're think stuck. That's fair. In, they're stuck in this limbo between like, like they want Suicide Squad to be popular because there's a movie coming out, but like that title keeps changing hands, and it's just really weird. You know? Yeah. I, yeah. Anyway. Any uh, other thoughts before pull pirate a pulp? Nah, let's let's do it. Okay, so for those that haven't heard before, we play this little game. I'm going to list the title, and all three of us are going to decide whether it's going to be added to our pull list. And this is all hypothetical, of course. 
add it to our pull list, whether it's worth pirating to read or whether it should be pulped and never read. Um, we're just gonna go. We're gonna go into down the order we have it in our document here. So Batman. Yeah, we don't pirate, by the way. No, we don't. Yeah, this is just because there's not a better word that starts with a P. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Batman. Paul. 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 Even with David Finch involved. <laughs> no. 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 Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I'm gonna stick up for David Finch just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't love David Finch's art. You know. But one of the things I was thinking about is that he's got a legion of fans, you know. Absolutely. He's going to be on a big book. Yeah. And If it's going to be a big book, it might as well be Batman. Y- yes. And if it's him, or if it's Hitch, or if it's Tony Daniel, I almost prefer Finch. You I, know? I prefer Jason Fabok to Finch. <laughs> okay, I didn't mention him, so. Yeah. But I'm saying, but he's like, I feel like Fabok is like Finch on a good day. Yes. And I feel like Finch's work is wildly inconsistent. Mm -hmm. Sure. Anyway. uh, Detective Comics. Pull. Pull. Nightwing. Pull. 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 Batgirl. Better than Batman. Yep, better than Batman. (laughs) Batman. It's a great name for the first arc. Yeah. Uh, Batgirl. Pull. 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 Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. I'm going to pull. I'll I'll pirate it. Yeah, I'm gonna say pirate too. My my go to with all of this in reality is that I'm gonna try everything. Yeah. But I'm talking about just kind of just based on this and kind of seeing where everything falls. Are, um, are you familiar with Claire Rowe's art? A little bit, yeah. I like her art. Yeah. I'm that's ultimate I mean, I don't know anything about I don't watch the one hundred, you Neither know. Neither do I. But I'm you know, I'm totally open. I but, I heard I, good things like, about it and had tried. I watched like ten minutes of it and it lost me. But I've heard the I've heard the pilot is one of the worst pilots in the history of TV, <laughs> and that it gets great after that. Okay, interesting. Um, all anyway, star. I I really like Claire Rose art, so that's okay. why I wanted to mention that. So. Yeah, uh, I think it's interesting. It appears that the Helena Bertolini that we've seen in Grayson is going to become the new Huntress, mm-hmm. and that's interesting. It um, is as it was. Yeah, it is as it was exactly. <laughs> Inside joke. Um, All Star Batman. Paul. Paul. Yeah. I'm gonna say pirate on this one. Oh man. Well, uh, he, here's why. No, 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 no. Come on. You know, I, I, I have a legitimate reason for why. Okay. I feel like with the with the creative team rotating as such, even though it's in continuity, it's always gonna feel like. Remember that Batman: The Dark Knight book that David Finch did. Mm-hmm. And it was in continuity, but it never felt in step with the rest of the books. Yeah. I'm afraid this is going to feel out of step with the rest of the books. So what's your what's your problem with it then? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I, I'm, pro- I'm probably just down on the first image from John Romita Jr. too. I'm sure once Jock and Sean Murphy and Paul Pope are involved, I'll be pulling it with glee. Um, but that initial creative team doesn't necessarily... Speak to me. Uh, action Comics. Pirate. I pulled all yeah. the Batman comics, by the way. I don't yeah. know if you noticed that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a pirate. I'm pirating Jurgens every time. I'm definitely pirating this, but I think that this... All right, so let, let me just give one brief defense of um, of Dan Jurgens here. I feel like there is still a good writer inside of Dan Jurgens. 
mm-hmm. as evidenced by about half of Superman, Lois, and Clark. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think that this is an interesting concept, and it could work. Yeah. DC me, seems very high on it, too. Mm-hmm. For me, it's kind of just like, Jurgens can be good, but he also needs like a really, really solid art team to back him up. And I, not that I have anything against any of those guys. In fact, I, I like them all fairly well individually, but mm-hmm. it's just like, I don't think that they're going to provide like a definitive enough like artistic backbone for the book. I like Zercher you know a I mean? lot. I do like Zercher a lot. I. But again, it, and maybe, it's, and maybe it's twice monthly. He's going to do how many issues? You well, know? That, that's yeah, that's the thing. Maybe if it was like a case where it was just one of them, and it could have a. I feel like the those three artists, their tones are so different. Like Zercher is nothing like Kirkham. Right? Yeah, that feels you know? like a that feels like the weekly rotation of our. Yeah, email. and I think that's what kind of what has me down on it is it does kind of like have that weekly rotation vibe. And Dan Jurgens is kind of the master of the weekly comic, though. So that's not. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what they call him. Exactly. The, ma- the master of the weekly. Can I? Can I lay out exactly how I feel about? Dan Jurgens, because we we joke a lot. Sure. All right. <laughs> I think there was a time when Dan Jurgens wrote really great comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think he doesn't have much more to say about, especially about characters that he's written a lot of already, mm-hmm. namely Superman. But I don't think he's a bad writer. I I. I joke about him because I'm pretty sure he's a, like a Vikings fan for one thing, <laughs> okay. which makes him a scoundrel. But uh, but also, he represents the old guard at DC that, especially in the New 52, kind of felt like they hung around not doing anything in particular of note, you know? Yeah. And he's, he's left over from that old guard. Um which is fine. He's got a lot of fans, but uh, but he will just whenever he's on a book, I always think, oh, okay, it's gonna be a Dan Jurgens book. There's no new ideas here for me to get excited about. Um, sorry, Dan. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> you know, I don't I'm disagree with any of that. Your family, but yeah, yeah. All right, new Superman. Pull, pull, pull. Supergirl. Pull, pulling so hard. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Trinity. Uh, I'm going to pirate that. Only, I love, love, love Francis Manipool's art, but have never really enjoyed the books he's written. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I, I'm going to, I'll say pirate, but... I want to believe that it was Bucoletto's scripts that were so bad and that well, Manipal had less the, to do with that. The only thing, there were those recent Justice League, the Dark Side War tie-ins okay. that he wrote and didn't draw. Like the, okay. the Superman one uh-huh. was just, and maybe it was just the, the, that was a very, you know, that was a tie-in, whatever, hands are tied. Benefited a doubt, but I'm still probably gonna go pirate on that one. All right, I, yeah, I'll say pirate. I really I, I, I want it to be good. 
Yeah, yeah, me too. Because his, I mean, it has the potential to be one of like the coolest books that DC is putting out, just yes. because it's so artistically strong. And having a book with the big three, you know, it could be their flagship book if they wanted it to. Yeah, you know. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. The the DC should have been having it. Should have had a Trinity book like at all times. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't yeah. believe they did. Um, okay. Uh, Superwoman. Paul. Uh, who's writing that one again? Phil Jimenez. I'm going to, I'm going to say pirate on that one. I'm going to say pirate too. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of his. I, I like him at times. And I feel like we know so little about that book and what that character is going to be. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit hard for me to get on board just yeah. yet. Um, oh, yeah. I, I love him and I love Lupacino's art too. So yeah, me too. She's, she's great. Mm-hmm. Um, Superman by Tomasi and Gleason, illustrated by Gleason and Monkey. I'm pulling that all day. Yep, Paul. Paul, huge Tomasi fan. I can't believe how little fanfare that got. I guess they only brought out the people. Like they only made the huge deal of the people who were there. Yeah. Like, oh, also here's our best creative lineup. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It was very, very odd to me. Well, at first, at first when they said uh, writing new Superman. Gene Yang, I thought, oh wow, the Tomasi. Like, I had a tweet that said the Tomasi rumor was wrong unless he's writing All Star Superman. Like, right. I, I thought they were going to oh, do yeah. the thing. With, and then, same with uh, when Rucka didn't come out for Wonder Woman. Right, yeah. Then I thought, is he doing All Star Wonder Woman? Like, these are like, they're going right. to do their main titles and then All Star titles. Yeah. But uh, anyway, pull, <laughs> pulling <laughs> hard on Tomasi. Uh, Wonder Woman. Paul. Paul. That's the the book I'm the most excited about. I think that's the one that, I mean, Greg Rucka's great. I think Greg Rucka's a great comics mind. And I feel like he's using the bi-weekly format as a a tool to do something really special. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think everybody else is going to do it to try and put out more. I I just feel like he's also in a position where he has the power. He could have said, all right, if I'm going to do this twice a month, here's how I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas I don't think you know your Steve Orlando's of the world have that pull necessarily, right? Um, but yeah, I'm excited about that book, uh, Justice League. I'll pirate it, but just to see, I just, uh, I mean, I do really like. Um, so I, I'm a little confused. Is Hitch going to be drawing it all, or is he solely writing? I think he's just writing it for now. Okay. Okay. I mean, I like Hitch's art, but I like Daniel's art as well. And I mean, I don't know. It's a it will be a good-looking book. And I like the the like roster enough to check it out, but yeah, I I don't have like the highest hopes. Here's why I don't like the roster. I mean, I I, I don't remember. I like the two Green Lanterns on the team. Mhm. Is Shazam on the team still? I think so. I don't remember if he was on the team or not. I don't think he was. I think it was um, Cyborg, Flash, the two Green Lanterns, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. There was eight. I forget who the... Yeah, you're you're right. An Aquaman. Yeah, so no Shazam plus uh, that creatively bereft uh, uh, lineup. That's a pulp book for me. Yeah. I'm pulping with the Fury of a Thousand Suns. Yeah. (laughs) I'm basically like going in on everything that has a Green Lantern in it, and hope that's the <laughs> one I'm going to read. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, the Flash. <laughs> I'm gonna pull. Oh, that's a pull for me. That's a pull for me too. Neil Gouge is really good. He too. is. He, he is. is. Yeah. Um, how Jordan? And I like that concept too. That yes. Produced. It's lots of speedsters. That's fun. Yes. Yeah. I wonder if that's how Wally West gets his powers in the New Fifty Two. Mm. I mean, in this the new Wally West, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, how Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. <sighs> Me once, pull me twice, and <laughs> probably still gonna all pirates whatever. <laughs> I love you, Zach. <laughs> right. That was a very George W. Bush uh, uh, yep. phrasing of that. I, I, I'm gonna pirate it, Venditti. You've got one more shot. I am right with both of you guys. This is a pirate book that, if it's not great issue one, I'm pulping it. Yeah, mm-hmm. because like I really did like his run starting out. And it was like it like what like the 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 lights out thing right after yes I thought it was really interesting and Godhead was pretty good and Godhead was good it was the stuff in between and then the DCU stuff that's just been like it was when Hal looked like Mickey Rourke that I lost uh, interest yeah yeah so <laughs> um <laughs> yeah I you know my thing is I like him I like what he's done for Valiant. Mm-hmm. He was mm-hmm. writing uh, Exo Manowar. He still you know? is, yeah. Oh, he still is, yeah. I'm, it, it, I'm, they just announced his ending with number fifty soon, but yeah, I'm way behind. But so he can double down on Green Lantern, yeah. So like, <laughs> I, I, yeah, exactly. Actually, can, sorry, finish your thought, Vince. I was just gonna say, I know he's a good writer, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know if it was just coming off of Johns. I just couldn't do it. Yeah, I, but I'm giving him another shot. I also think me personally maybe had a little lantern fatigue. Yeah. Um, but what I was going to say is I, I find it interesting that, and Ken Gobertson, shout out to Ken, uh, kind of refuted this in our Multiversity internal email thread. But I think it's weird that Steve Orlando, Tom King, Scott Snyder, and Amanda Connor are all newly exclusives and are only doing one book apiece. And he said they're all doing bi-weeklies, which is true, but I feel like, like Scott Lobdell launched three New Fifty Two books at oh. the same time, you know. And I feel like it, I'm not saying that I, I hope that all those creators take more care than Lobdell did with his books, but I, I think it's possible for a writer, especially because these new exclusive contracts, I believe, mean they can't do stuff for any outside publisher, not just Marvel. So if all they're doing is, I, I know Tom King is finishing up the Vision. And I know that he has that the Sheriff of Babylon book. That's that, with Vertigo, though. Uh, oh, exactly. I see, I see what you're saying, sorry, other yeah. And I know that Snyder is probably has a deal to finish up witches whenever he wants to finish up witches. And I'm pretty sure his American Vampire is the same thing. Like you know, so the, those guys. But like, oh, do you think witches will come to Vertigo? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. That would be weird. That'd be weird. Um, but like, it's weird to me that Steve Orlando doesn't have a second book. Yes, and but I, you know what? You know what? Though I think it's coming. I mean, first yeah. of all, the, the first of all, some of these are not going to make it out of twelve. You think we'll get a uh, Steve Orlando authority? <laughs> I I personally think they're done. Basically done with. They're like, like Wildstorm. They're as done with with Wildstorm as they can be. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like no doubt, Midnighter's going to show up somewhere, but. I actually think with Jim Lee in the position he's in is the worst thing for Wildstorm. 
Yeah. Because people aren't going to take a chance on really fucking things up with them because Jim Lee's their boss. <laughs> so, that, so all the pages are super conservative and lame. Sure. Um, yeah. uh, okay, Green Lanterns. Oh, pull that one. <sighs> Actually, no, Pirate. Just kidding. Yeah, I'm pirating I- it. I want again. I want to like it so much, and I and I know Sam Humphreys. There's a good writer somewhere in there. Absolutely, but he never got to show it in, at Marvel. I don't think, at least not anything I've read. I'm I heard pirate- that the Avengers AI book was good, but that one was like, it got no. Oh, I hated it. You know, Did, was it oh, okay? <laughs> I, I reviewed the first issue, and I'm pretty. I gave it like a four or five. Or oh, something. okay. Well, I never read it. I just. I had heard. Uh, I knew Andre Aru Arujo Arujo did the art, and I really like him. You know, it it the book felt like, hey, we got uh, the Vision coming up in Age of Ultron. We need a book that highlights the AI <laughs> corner <laughs> of Marvel Universe. You know, but anyway, uh, I'm gonna pirate that with with really good intentions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cyborg. I'll pull that. I am gonna pull it based on i don't know if you saw me talking about this but i'm kind of a secret nut about the singularity you know what the singularity is yeah (laughs) yeah i'm kind of a secret nut about the singularity and and john semper said that that's what this book was about okay and so like that's right in my wheelhouse that's fair i'm gonna pirate it because i just feel like it's uh there's no way to say this without sounding callous. I just feel like John Semper is obviously he's a friend of Dan DiDio's without any real track record, and those things happen in comics, and that's okay. I also think that it's good that there's a person of color writing Cyborg. However, I feel like everything about that hire sounds like, oh shit, we need a black guy to write Cyborg. Mm-hmm. And DiDio's like, oh, I know a guy. Like It just doesn't feel... I could be totally wrong about that. I'm just, my gut feeling is that it just seems like it's a quota thing, and it's not a necessarily inspired choice. I hope I'm wrong, yep. and that's why I'm going to pirate it. I'm going to give it a chance. I hope it's good, but it just doesn't seem to me to be particularly inspired. It could very easily be the Mr. Terrific of Rebirth. Yes. So Goodness, You're right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like African-American Sorry. creator on an African-American character with no real concept behind it. But, but I love the singularity, so I'm giving it, a, I'm giving it an honest... I'm as soon as we can download our brains into the internet, I'm there. <laughs> I'm first on the list. Uh Aquaman. That is mm, I will pull for the rise of the seven seas arc. Uh-huh. But honestly, like otherwise it's probably a pulp for me. I I'm in a pulp until somebody tells me it's good because I I, I guess I'm just never gonna like Aquaman. I'm going to pirate it because I believe Garth's part of the book. Mm. Yeah. Well. Um, by the way, <laughs> just, uh, just... I love app- you too, Brian. Well, no. <laughs> thanks, Zach. I mean, thanks, Zach. Um, the, uh, I, I just got lost in my head for a second there. Remember the first image we saw of Batman versus Superman, what it was? No. Uh, was it, it like the shaved head? No, it was Jason Momoa. As Aquaman saying, "Unite oh, the seven. Unite the seven. Oh yeah, you're and right. like that was supposed to be a big part of that movie, and it's not so much so that there aren't even seven members of the Justice League, <laughs> nor is the ocean ever mentioned. So it's not the seven seas. 
Like it's just another I wasted opportunity there. I didn't think I didn't I don't know if I ever took that as being like tied to BVS. I I think I thought it was just like, oh, here's Aquaman. Yeah, I think I thought it was like here way in advance. Here's some Justice League teaser. Oh, okay. I don't know. I, yeah. I'm I'd just saying this back. all to, to stall before I have to talk about Titans, <laughs> which like legitimately this is as close to what I've been saying I've wanted for a long time as possible. But Brett Booth's have you seen the Brett Booth character designs for this? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've, yeah. Seen, <laughs> yep. I've seen some stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, I feel like one day my daughter's going to like be looking through my comics and be like, so so you were in the shit, right? And I was like, yeah, I was in the shit. Like, this is this is my Vietnam. This is uh, oh. this is bad news for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to pirate this and learn to like draw a... and like draw my own version of it using Abnet scripts. I don't know if those are going to be that good. Hey, it'd be better than Brett Booth. Yeah, but, uh, well, I mean the scripts. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, here's the thing, Brian. Uh-huh. I know that the, in in the months and years of lead-up to Convergence and this, you've been wanting to get a Titans team back. Yeah. I, I know how badly you've wanted this. My heart just broke for you. <laughs> I, I'm like it, it, it. I feel like you're like not like this. Exactly. Not like this. Who? I'm sorry. Who that, uh, who's Pulp. the green character? Your guess is as good as mine. That's supposed to be like the Enchantress because it kind of looks like the Enchantress in Suicide Squad. I don't think it is. I mean, I think the the, the real answer here is who gives a shit because the book's gonna be so bad, but. Yeah. I, I'm I'm with you. I I have no idea. This really feels like a Twilight Zone episode for me. We're like, I get what I want with a twist. <laughs> I have all the time in the world to read, but I have no glasses. Like this is this is uh, you know. All right, Harley Quinn. Oh, uh, Zach, Zach, did you answer the Titans one? I don't remember, but it's a pulp. Okay. Uh, Harley Quinn. Uh, you know, Harley Quinn by by Palmiati and Connor is something that I will jump in and read a couple issues and jump out when I'm feeling a Harley Quinn vibe. I don't love the character, and I don't. I think they're doing a fine job on the book, but I'm going to say pirate just because I'm very middle of the road on it. Pulp. Oh. If there's, I mean, I haven't been reading it. If there's ever an issue that Connor draws, uh-huh. I'm I'm in on that. Um, just because I really like her art and feel like I think I tweeted something like she's one of DC's like most untapped talents. Agreed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just not like a big Harley Quinn fan. Um, so even if the book was like, the book would have to be Omega Man like, good. Yeah, like critically lauded to the extreme to get me to check it out. Sure. Uh, Suicide Squad. <sighs> I'm, I'm going to pull I'm, that. I'm pulling for Rob Williams. Yeah, me too. We uh, all, we're all hedging though, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Batman Beyond. You already know. <laughs> pulp, pulp, pulp. Yeah. 
<laughs> to paraphrase Sarah Palin, pulp baby pulp. <laughs> You're pirating this, aren't you, Vince? No, I'm I'm pulping it. You said you always pirated Jergens. That's that's your words from like a half hour ago. <laughs> but this is this is uh, just like. But I've already seen. I've already, He's already. Yeah, he pirated when it started last year. Hey, return of Terry McGinnis, guys. Oh, oh yeah. That, uh-huh. some, something I told, uh, again, Ken Godberson and I were talking about this on Twitter. And he said, well, at least the right Batman Beyond is back. Mm-hmm. And I said, do you think Jurgens is really going to write him differently? <laughs> like, I think <laughs> yeah. he knows the difference between Tim and. I. That sounds reductive, but like, his writing is just so vanilla to me. Yeah. That, I think we also need to collectively pour one out for Bernard Chang, who's yeah. way better than that book. He's, he's, in, he's in limbo, man. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's in limbo harder than... Uh, 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 <laughs> I, I lost who I was going to say. Sorry, Wally West. Okay. Um, I feel like he must have walked in on Dan DiDio, like doing something terrible and like this is his punishment is that he gets to just work with Jurgens and draw a great costume and a great character in just a boring ass book. If he walked in on the Dio doing something, then wouldn't he wouldn't he be writing and drawing Justice League? Or uh, I, I meant to say that the Dio walked in on him doing something terrible. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Again, I'm tired. I've been up all day with two kids that weren't in great moods. Um. All right, uh, Green Arrow. Um, then we'll probably pulp it. I'll maybe I'll pirate it just to see. I'm, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna read it, but I'm I'm gonna say pulp because I'm I'll I will try it, but I want to pulp it because there's no reason for me to think it's gonna be any good. Yeah. Uh, Juan Ferreira is the reason I'm pirating it because I read yeah, his art same. a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Hellblazer. I'm gonna um, pull that pirate. I'm gonna pull it too. I like Mortad a lot, mm-hmm. and I like the idea of Constantine and Swamp Thing being together. I don't know why the book is called the Hellblazer if it's a team up book, but shrugging well, sh- shrugging shoulders uh, emoji or whatever. So, eh. uh, Deathstroke. I can't believe I'm gonna pull it. Me too. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I, I guess I'll pirate the first issue, but I don't think anybody can make me enjoy reading a Deathstroke book. So, no. um, Red Hood and the Pulp Laws <laughs> by Scott Pulpdell. Exactly, Dexter Pulp. I actually kind of like Dexter Pulp's work, um, <laughs> but yeah, this is this is pulp yeah. to the Stone Age. Oh. <laughs> He was on uh, he was on Captain Marvel over at over at Marvel and yeah I, he I really he was liked. on volume one of like the volume one of the Kelly Sudicana Captain Marvel yeah yeah, yeah. I really yeah. like that stuff but so did I but you know yeah yeah put him on our Captain Marvel exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, Blue Beetle by Giffen and Collins I'll pirate that pirate I'm pirating it because of Ted Cord mm-hmm. but I so want to pulp that. <laughs> Um, I you do. Hate, you hate Giffen. I, I, I'm going to reserve my comments for after we're on the, when we're off the air. I, I think Keith Giffen has given more to comics than I ever will. Yep. Um, I, I just think that perhaps this is not playing to his strengths. Okay. 
this is Diplomat Brian right now. Um, yep. Uh, Teen Titans. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, I'll pirate that, sure. Yeah. It's 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 on the most tenuous of threads, but I'm going to say pirate. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of the same case of what you said, Brian, with Titans, regular Titans. Uh-huh. Like, this is the idea and the concept that I wanted, but just not the execution. Yeah. Uh, Super Sons, I don't have the creative team in front of me, but Dennis Culver is involved, as is... Uh, was it Jorge Jimenez? Jorge Jimenez and Chris Burns, apparently, who was an ex uh, Boom Studios editor. So, oh, okay, okay. Um, um, if this creative team is accurate, which according to Newsarama it is, yeah. And I'm gonna pull that because I like Culver and I like Jimenez, and I think the concept is stellar. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um. I think it's weird that Super Sons, if that was just a mistake that they didn't have the creative team, that's one thing. But I think it's weird that we got that image, again, that rebirth like, teaser image that had front and center Wally West, which we haven't really seen, because it's spiky hair Wally West. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay Garrick, who we haven't seen. Damien and, or at least Jonathan Kent was the Superboy we saw, presumably. Who we haven't really heard much about, um, Jessica Cruz, and uh, I forget, and, and Green Arrow, who we haven't really seen an interesting like. There's not everyone went apeshit because his goatee is back, but like there's nothing really new about that character. It's just a, mm-hmm. it was a weird collection of characters for what we've gotten from the from the lineup. Yeah, um, and then I guess we can't really say for Earth Two or JLA, but Gotham Academy second semester we presume it's going to be a similar cast of characters. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that's going to be just like a straight continuation. Yeah. And I'm pulling that, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite good. All right. Do, do want I have a game, but do we want to save it for our next show? Uh, if you guys can stay up, I can stay up. Yeah, I can, do, I can run through this. All right. So here's my game. We're at the end of the New 52, and like so many other things in life, parts of the New 52 feel like weird dreams, and uh, I don't remember a lot of what happened in various parts of it. So here's what we're going to do. I am going to name a book for you guys, and we're not counting zero issues. I want you to tell me what the last published number of that book was. All right. I like it. All books that have been canceled. So like, I'm not going to talk about Aquaman or any of the books that are you know currently going on. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's do the, try and do this like speed round style. Uh, Aquaman and the others. Uh, um, 12. 8. 11. Uh, Captain Adam. That was... 8. That was that was 12. 12. Damn. DC Universe Presents. Um, uh, 18. 22. 19. Damn it. Um, Earth 2. Um... 33. I'm going to say 36. 32. Um, uh, the Fury of Firestorm, the Nuclear Men. Eight. No, that went a while, didn't it? Uh, really? I think so. God. Maybe, well, maybe not. I'm misremembering the tumultuousness of the early New 52. Uh, I am too. Uh, 19. 20. Damn. Um, Justice League 3000. 
Uh, Eleven. No, I didn't even know that it ended yet. Uh, three, oh, three thousand. Three thousand. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll say twelve. Fifteen. JLI. <sighs> that was that was. That was twelve. Yeah, that was twelve. Correct. Uh, Justice League of America's vibe. <laughs> Seven. Uh, ten. Ten. Damn. Uh, JLA, Justice League of America. Not the Hitch one, the uh, the, the Jeff Johns, the one. Jeff Johns one, yeah. Sixteen. Yeah, I was gonna say sixteen. Fourteen. Um, Justice League United. Oh, that was uh, sixteen. Seventeen. Ten. Ten. Yeah. <laughs> what? A katana. Wait. The. I'm sorry. No, ten was ten was pre DCU. So oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. My mistake there. You guys were right. I want to say it was 17. This list is, is inaccurate in that way. Um, okay. okay. Katana. Oh, God. Eight. Ten. What? Uh, Mr. Terrific. That was... That, that was, was really eight. low. That, that was, was eight. like eight. Eight is correct. Yeah. The Savage Hawkman. This one blew my mind, by the way. Oh, 24. 23. 20. Mm. Uh, Secret Origins. Um, uh, eight, a, I'll say seven, 11, uh, oh. world's finest. Oh, this one, this one's in like the twenties, I think 20 this one went a while. I'm actually going to say 32, 32 on the nose, buddy. Yeah, dude. Uh, Arkham Manor five. Oh, oh that was a mini series really. So or no, six? six, six, yeah, six is correct. Batman, the dark Knight. 17. 19. 29. Whoa. Uh, Batman and Robin. Oh, that went um, 40. Correct. Damn. Uh, Batman Inc. Volume 2. Oh, wow. Uh, 13. Correct. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Batwing. 17. Uh, 12. 34. What? <laughs> yeah. No, it didn't. Yes, it did. No, no, it did. 34 zero. end to zero issue, yeah. Jesus uh, Christ. Batwoman. Maybe, hey, maybe we were wrong about that, Azrael, you know. Yeah. Hundreds not so far off. Uh, what? No, what did you say? Uh, Batwoman. 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 Mm, uh, 32. 29. 40. Mm. Birds of Prey. Mm. That's right. That's 40. 40. 30. 34. Um, sorry, a uh, Nightwing. Uh, that was thirty-four, thirty-seven, thirty. Oh, uh, Talon. Twelve. Yeah, twelve. Seventeen. <laughs> Superboy. Thirty-four. Thirty. Yeah, Zach. Yeah, thirty-four. 34. Correct. Supergirl. Twenty. No. No, 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 no. 40. 40, 40 is correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Uh, this was announced as an ongoing, but it was actually a mini. Uh, Superman Unchained? Nine. Correct. Nine. All right. Uh, Green Lantern Core. That was. That was 40. Correct. New Guardians. No. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah. That was also 40. Correct. Larflees. 12. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Red Lanterns. 40. 30, 30. Oh, was it 40? 36. 
40. Damn it. Okay, they, were, now, they all were the same. Yeah. All right, now we are getting into the, the, the really interesting shit, guys. So hold on to your dicks. Um, <laughs> Blue Beetle. Uh, 12. Mm, 18. 16. Shit. Hawk and Dove. Oh, 8. Yeah, 8. Correct. Legion Lost. Uh, 12. Mm, 16. 16. Uh, Legion of Superheroes. Also, no, 23. 23 is correct. (laughs) Zach is like eerily good at this game. Uh, Static Shock. Eight. Correct. (laughs) Uh, The first volume of Teen Titans in the New 52. Oh. That's tough. Um, If I I knew what the current one was. I'm going to say 30. 30. <laughs> Ravagers. Uh, 12. 12. Jesus. <laughs> who, who read 12 issues of Ravagers? Yeah, uh, this guy, unfortunately. Um, Threshold? Oh, oh, we're not there yet. Uh, <laughs> All Star Western. Ooh, oh, 30, 30, 34. 34. Correct. Both of you. Uh, Blackhawks. <laughs> Eight, I think. Eight. 12. Eight is correct. Damn. Uh, the Deathstroke Volume 1 of the New 52. Gosh, 19. 20. What was uh, 23? 20. Okay. Uh, GI Combat. 8. 10. 7. Mm. Rifter. Yuck. Uh, Too long. Six, Gosh. 16. 16, correct. Okay. Uh, Infinity Man and the Forever People. 8. 9. 9, correct. Damn. Lobo. The original Lobo, or there was no, only one Lobo. There was only one. Lobo. Oh, right. Yeah, no, there were two. <laughs> Much like the Highlander, there was only one Lobo book. Um, Seventeen, nineteen, six. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Child. Men of War. Eight. Eight, Eight is correct. Omac. Eight. Eight. Correct. Yeah. Star Spangled War Stories featuring GI Zombie. Five. Six. Eight. Eight. Stormwatch. Oh. Uh, 30. 30? Yeah. Damn. Uh, first run of Suicide Squad. 20, uh, 34. Yeah, same. 30. Team 7. Uh, uh, 7. I'm just eight. 8. 8 is correct. Okay. Uh, the Green Team, Teen Trillionaires. 8. Correct. The Movement. 8. 12. 12. Threshold. 8. 8. 8. Voodoo. 24. 16. 12. Uh, Animal Man. Oh, 30. 34? 37. 29. Oh, that's uh, right. Did go early. Demon yeah. Knights. Oh, gone too soon. 29. 23. 23. Uh, I feel like Vince has this one tattooed on his eyelids, like the inside of his eyelids. Dial H. Oh, God. Honestly. I, th- I think it was uh, 16. Mm. Hold on. 19. 15. Damn. Uh, Constantine, the Jeff Lemire one. Oh. Uh, 16. 18. 23. Frankenstein, Agent of Shield. Shade, oh, rather. Agent of Shade. 
Agent of Shield. BPRD. No, it's more than 16, right? Because Matt Kent, 23. Maybe it did go for a little while. 16. Wow, Zach. Uh, I Vampire. He's a killer. Uh, 17. Uh. That might be right. I want to say 19, though. 19 is correct. Okay. <laughs> Justice League Dark. Uh, 20. 20. Mm, oh, yeah, that did go on for a while. 34. 40. 40. <sighs> uh, Clarion. Oh, jeez. Five. Seven. Six. Uh, Resurrection Man. 12. Mm, correct. Yeah, 12, yeah. Uh, Swamp I- Thing. 40. Uh, 18. 40, correct. Oh, wait, that's right. I was thinking the Snyder run. Uh, uh, Sword of Sorcery. 8? Uh, yeah. Correct. There was a zero issue, too, but we're just talking about you know final number here. Uh, Trinity of Sin. Oh, God. 6? Correct. Trinity of Sin Pandora. 6? 14. No. Yes. And uh, hold <laughs> no. on to your dicks for this one, guys. Uh, Trinity of Sin the Phantom Stranger. A long time, twenty three, twenty two. Yeah. Wow. Oh. And that—that's it. You guys did it. You guys ran the ran the gauntlet there. That's uh. We didn't do threshold. We did. Oh, we did. Yeah, we did. Oh. It was eight. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> What's crazy doing a game like this? Twenty issues of Savage Hawkman. Like, how is that a thing? Like. Twenty for- what? Twenty two or twenty three of Phantom Stranger? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you know, some of these lasted forever, and then like I totally <laughs> forgot Vive had his own comic in the New Fifty Two. I uh-huh. totally forgot Katana had her own comic, and those were both like those aren't that long ago either. No. Um. Anyway, but remember Vibe was gonna get this like huge push because like Jeff Johns was co writer on that, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, never yeah. happened. But then he decided to filter it into the Flash the TV show. Yeah. And we, we've all been better for it. Yep. Anyway, guys, this was a marathon and um, <laughs> nearly three hours of content for you guys. So hopefully you have a long commute this week to enjoy it all. Uh, you can find the three of us on Twitter. I am at Brian Into Nap. I am at VJ underscore O S T R O W S K I. And I'm at SirFox89. And you can catch the final issue, final installment of the Batman and Robin Eternal podcast we do, the DC Threekly, on Saturday. And we'll be back next month with New 52 in review, our series of four podcasts focusing on Shock, the New 52. All right, guys, have a good night. Thanks for putting up with us. Bye. <laughs>